everybody. It's me, John Hodgman, the new host of The Flophouse. This is an incredible special episode of The Flophouse because it's Max Fun Drive. I'm here with my inferior co-hosts, Elliot Kalen, <laughs> mm-hmm. Dan McCoy, and Stuart Wellington. And this show now belongs to me. And that's just the way it is. How are you guys okay. doing? I guess, uh, I mean, I guess we started the show. Yeah, you really rested control in, a, in the power vacuum. All right. Well, let's go to a break. <laughs> <laughs> Give a little time to the child within you. Be afraid to be young and free. I'm hoping in the new regime I can fulfill the role of bully henchman. <laughs> you're gonna be like a crab goyle type. You're the, yeah. you're the guy who, uh. when Hodgman's plan is defeated at the end by the hero, you go, you go over to give him some solace and he pushes you away in anger. <laughs> I don't remember which which one it was, whether it was crab or goyle, but mm-hmm. one of those... One of those young actors, I was like, that guy's got a future, and I have never been more wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Draco Malfoy's on The Flash. That's how how far his future went. Oh, wow. Uh, Anyway. That's the top thing that you can be, is an actor on The Flash. So just to be Make it. Let me make it clear. I would like to be on the Flash. Yeah, all right. <laughs> like uh, Greg Berlanti, I am here and I am in wardrobe. I'm wearing a Flash costume as we speak. <laughs> so yeah, the, if you're going to pick the Flash, is already cast, but he could play any number of characters. Yeah, we're, yeah they're ultimate. Uh, they, I mean, there are many different Earths. Uh, so. The Flash villain, the Turtle, who was super slow. Oh, I was going like to. That would be great. I was going to make a it. joke about that, but apparently that's a thing that exists. He was a real character from the Silver Age stories. Here's what he would do. He'd rob I, a he's bank. already been on the TV show. Uh, oh, really? Excuse me, uh, Bully Henchman. <laughs> yeah. Him down, please. <laughs> oh, he's already been on the show, Ellie. Thank you so much. And yes. he can't be the trickster because that's Mark Hamill from the old Flash show. Is he in the? New he's Flash in the show new too? Flash show oh, too. Oh. Elliot, come on! I haven't seen this new Flash. Yeah, plays Mirror so, Master. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, so if you were gonna pick, if you're gonna pick yeah, a Berlantiverse show, Flash's greatest to be villain, Miramax. Would it be, or would you like to be like a rival millionaire on Arrow? <laughs> In if I were going to be in a Berlantiverse show? Yeah. Uh, Supergirl. 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 Yeah. Not Legends of Tomorrow where you could play like an Old West Cowpoke who well. hangs out with Jonah Hex. <laughs> I, here's, what I, here's what I have to say. Uh, uh, Arrow has no claim on my heart. Uh-huh. Uh, the Flash, they're full up. They don't, need a, they don't need me at all. Stuffed. Yeah, they already got uh, uh, five what's-his-names. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> who's the actor? The guy from uh, Tom Cavanaugh? Tom Cavanaugh. They got There's five Tom Cavanaugh. Yeah, Tom Cavanaugh's all over that shit. That's Sometimes right. uh, reverse characters. <laughs> oh, Professor Zoom? No, that's a different bad guy in this. Okay, so, so, you so you know there's what? two different reverse I'm, I'm talking to I'm talking to my friend Stuart about the <laughs> Berlantiverse. Look, here. I'm just confused about whether we actually started the show. This is not. apparently a flash cast. <laughs> well, no, you, heard, you heard me start the show, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Okay, so it's it's goddamn started. <laughs> I just assumed since we immediately then went into flash talk <laughs> without even pretending that we watched it. All right, right, be quiet, Elliot. Okay. So if you were going to ask me seriously about which Berlantiverse show I'll be in, <laughs> it really would be a tie for Legends of Tomorrow or Supergirl. And here's the deal. Sure. Flash is full up. They've got all the character actors they need. Lots yep. of Ed Kavanaugh's. Uh, oh, Elliot. <laughs> Tom Kavanaugh's. Stu, I thought you were going to help me with this. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> all right. Would you please wedge, wedgie Elliot while I talk? Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, uh, I'm i menacingly <laughs> slapping a sap against my palm. <laughs> that seems way harsher. Can than you Wendy's buy <laughs> sap spaces? Yes, like, where do you buy that? <laughs> a wedgie and you're going to blackjack the man. <laughs> Just go get a wedgie hook down down in the Seven Eleven. Uh, Dan, I have two questions for you. Okay, no, <laughs> is- let me answer my question. <laughs> right. I 
I would want to be in Supergirl because she's such a Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about Callista Flockhart? No, no, she's not even on the show anymore. Oh, Stu, yeah, they moved, God. they moved it over How to the CW, you? and she's no longer on the no, show. She's not going to be not on even it. as a hologram. No, she's not going to be on a CW. The show. CW can't match her quote. The CW has a restraining order That's against right. Calista Flockhart. Yeah, is, because they were dating for a while, and she they broke. CW was like, "I'm sorry, this is not working for me." And she was like, "If I can't have you, no one can have you." And she started stalking people. She burned down One Tree Hill, and <laughs> and they had Are to get a restraining order. Now it's Calista no Flockhart tree hill. with Sean Young. Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. So I guess I would be a, a legend of tomorrow for sure. Okay. You'd be gr- I think you and Victor Garber would be great together. Oh, what if I played young Victor Garber? <laughs> I built a good ship for you, Rose. Then you'd be in Godspell if you were playing young Victor Garber. <laughs> or the even younger baby Victor Garber. Victor All Garber. right. Well, once again, <laughs> relies to me, John Hodgman, to bring Thank this God. thing back on track. This is the flop house. This is the flop house. It's a we, podcast. It's a podcast. Where we watch, where a, bad we watch movie, a bad movie. And then we talk about it. And then we it. talk about What's it. What's special about this episode, Dan? Well, one special thing is From we have Mr. We have Mr. John Hodgman with us. And why Hello. do we have that? Uh, because it's a bonus episode that we're doing. Oh, because it's it, the Max Fun Drive. Well, I, thought it, I, thought, I thought it was because we were friends. But, that's <laughs> but by bonus, you just mean extra. This is, we're not releasing It's an extra it. episode. This is, people are listening to this right now. Yes. Okay. People are no, listening. It's not like, they're not like, I don't remember going to a secret hallway and unlocking a special door with my key code no, to you're, find this bonus episode. You're right that I should differentiate bonus episodes because there are certain things called bonus episodes that have something to do with the Max Fun Drive. Yeah. Talk about much the same way flammable and inflammable are the same. You use bonus for two different reasons. Uh, the I think word, that's the opposite of what happened, but go on. <laughs> the word cleave means its own opposite. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, to split and to hold together. And speaking of cleavage, we just watched the movie 1941, directed <laughs> Wait, by no, Spielberg. That much cleavage in it. Oh, did you not see the Nancy Allen scenes? <laughs> no, I mean that, those were the those were well. we'll I don't I look. I. I don't want to <coughs> disgust your viewers by reminding them that I am a sexual being. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie, 1941, directed by Steven Spielberg, is one of the most profoundly disturbing, provocative, and erotic movies in my young childhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's a real that's late as, consequence. That's as, good, <laughs> that's as good a tease as any for us to now talk about the Max Fun Drive and then get back to the erotic awakening of young John Hunt. <laughs> I don't want to. Stop. Uh, the Max Fun Drive is a very special time. So first time. off, what's, what's Max Fun? Maximum Fun is the podcasting network that we belong to. It has uh, many great shows, including John Hodgman's show, Judge John Hodgman. And now the Flophouse Judge John Hodgman's show. <laughs> uh, and now, and Maximum Fun is thus called that because it is the maximum amount of fun the human body can have without shutting yeah. down. Mm-hmm. If you had any more fun than you, you get from these You go podcasts, into renal failure. Oh, yeah. your renes would fail immediately. Yeah. You I mean, would have the most failingest renes. <laughs> and it's uh, it's... Almost exclusively listener-supported. Yeah, it's always mm-hmm. been a listener-supported network. Yes. That means you, the person who's hearing this. Oh, I thought you meant me. Basically. You, I don't know. Basically, I don't know what you do with your money. Basically, all of our money comes from donations from people like you. You know, there are people out there I know saying, you, you lying assholes. I listen to you do ad reads every week. Don't the, undercut the cell on the flop house. <laughs> no, no, but well, that's a fair point. We do do we do we do, do ads we do do ads in that we kind of poop them out. We don't do a great job, but <laughs> but eighty percent eighty percent of the oh, far more than eighty percent the money. Oh yeah, Elliot's the CFO of the as, flop house. As, well, I'm the treasurer. 
as the treasurer and secretary of Housecat Productions, the corporation that owns the Flophouse. Uh, the, we mainly do ads because they're fucking awesome and hilarious. And they're only for products we believe in, like Mac Weldon, the underwear I'm wearing right now. But anyway, the uh, the thing most— I can tell because I'm wedging you. <laughs> <laughs> the vast majority of the money we receive comes from viewers, and by viewers I mean listeners— <laughs> Like you. I don't know what you're looking at while you listen to this. So just call yourself a listener. I hope it's something good. But we uh but it means a lot to us. We did it's true we did this podcast for a long time gratis for free. But since we joined the Max Fun Network and we started making money for it, it means we're able to put more time into it. We're able to do a slightly more professional job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're able to really make this more of a focus of our creative efforts. Generally longer episodes. Longer episodes, uh more often episodes. Um, and we're able to fill in for the McElroys when they have babies by doing uh, episodes of their D&D podcast. And it also helps us to feel the confidence to perform, knowing that people care enough about us to show us that love in the form of. <laughs> Hatchman's eyes are rolling. <laughs> They're rolling out of his skull across the floor. Into a little mouse hole. Well, you, I mean, <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry, you lack the confidence. First to, off, to watch a terrible oh, movie no, and the, talk about the it. The mice are using the eyeballs as beanbag chairs. <laughs> I'm just wondering why Dan hasn't closed up all the mouse holes in his apartment. <laughs> I guess he's hoping for friends to climb out of there. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I watched Max Magician Legend of the Ring. <laughs> Uh, yep, that's a callback. Uh, so did I. And you're after watching that movie, you were inspired to drill mouse holes into the walls. <laughs> that's right. In hopes that a magical character will show up. With and you hung signs all over the neighborhood that says "cheese available." <laughs> Ask for Dan. Jokes on you. A magical character did show up and pooped all over my food. <laughs> so. so we'll talk more about the Max Fun Drive later, right? But it's yes, your chance. That's just a little teaser. It's your chance. And what's the URL for that, Dan? It's maximumfun.org forward slash donate. We'll talk more about. What you get when you do do Nate? We're do do- Nate. <laughs> when you do when you do we'll do fix on that Nate. One in post. Uh, yeah, uh, Paul. What was the post guy? Doug. Doug. I'm so sorry, Paul. Doug. Uh, but first, let's Paul's get back his first to how name he prefers to be referred to by his middle name. Let's Doug. go back to how 1941, perhaps the least liked movie in Steven Spielberg's career, not call not counting Crystal K- Skull. What about Always? Yeah, Always is a pretty good. I feel like Always people say like, well, it's nice to see Audrey Hepburn at that point in her life. There's nothing about like that in 1941. You think it doesn't feel good to see Robert Stack at this point in his life? No, that's a fair point. All right, anyway. But uh, John Hodgson, you referred to it as being part of, I guess, what helped you discover doing it. (laughs) So how old were you when this movie came out in 1979? Well, I was born in 1971. Dan, can you turn the lights down? Boom. Set the mood music. (laughs) 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 That's my fucking bit. <laughs> uh, so I was born in 1971. The movie came out in 1979. You do the math. I was brought to it my, by my dad for reasons that I now severely question. Because, as you know, your dad would usually see a movie first to preview and make sure it was okay for you, then take you to it. So well, like, it was, you knew it was happening. It was a PG movie, and it was it was branded as a comedy. And I, and I feel like... He might have been misled to some degree about the content of this film. He might not have known. Had you seen the previous Steven Spielberg movies? N- no. Yeah, you were given big- any indication of being a huge fan of that director. You were a big Sugarhead, as Sugarland Express fans were known. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm Shug sure Nights. that I did not. I did not see Jaws. I had not seen Jaws at that time. I may have seen Close Encounters. I know that I had seen 
Annie Hall with my babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is technically not a Steven Spielberg movie, but it's hard to not know that it's not. No, but I, I remember. <laughs> but I know the kinds of movies I, you've seen. It was, it was a time. Because of the expertly timed chase scene Woody Allen goes on. Well, there's no, that part was... where Diane Keaton reached out her finger to Woody Allen, and then she went back home to her home planet. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was a time. It was a time when children were being brought to the movies because irresponsible adults wanted to take two hours out of their lives mm-hmm. and see. And and movies were made for grownups at that time. And there was that the kind of movie that fell into the no man's land between PG and R. Right, PG thirteen rating did not exist yet. Exactly. So, so it was like until well, what Red Dawn, the what Flamingo was the, until Kid, po- post post Grems and Temple of Dumbs. Okay, uh, as. Some people would call Gremlins and Devil of Doom, and they didn't like them. I like both of those movies, too. Uh-huh. Greater or lesser degree. Was Temple oh, of Doom wow. a PG-13 movie? It was not. That, but that, that was the one that... That and Gremlins. Because that really Mola Ram pulled that heart out of that dude's chest. Yes, were, but yeah. because, there were, because there were no boobs, they were like, this is good for yeah. kids. Was, okay. was Red Dawn the first I think Red PG-13? Dawn was the first Might PG-13. Might have been the first PG-13. I thought, I thought it was uh, the Flamingo Kid with... Um, Hmm. Uh, they might have come out at the same time. I don't know. Well, in any case, there's no way to research it. We just don't have the technology. <laughs> there was n- there was no amount of heart pulling out of chest <laughs> in <laughs> Temple of Doom that that scarred me and in t- and titillated me <laughs> as m- as much as uh, going to see 1941 with that n- nude lady at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. in a parody of Jaws. Mm. And yeah, a film, a film he had not seen had at not that seen. point. I had not, well, no, I had no. So, and I have this vague, this vague memory that we got to the, we went to the Cleveland Circle uh, Theater in Cleveland Circle, uh, Brookline, Massachusetts. And if a Kickstarter doesn't start right now to put a plaque up on that theater to commemorate your scene, nineteen forty-one. <laughs> oh, it's been there. torn down. Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. well, whatever yeah. building's there, put a plaque up. The Cleveland Circle. Theater I think the ground here. round is still next to it, so you can put a plaque there. <laughs> That's where John that's Hodgman when, ate his weight as a kid <laughs> after seeing 1941. That's when state. I. That's where I went on my first friend date with my wife, Catherine Fletcher. Actually, so <laughs> the, you could put a plaque there for sure. <laughs> but uh, we we went there. I know that we went to the Cleveland Circle, and I, I my memory is that we arrived late to 1941. It was already 1942 by the time we got there. Yeah, okay. And it was like, <laughs> welcome to the Fibber McGee and Molly show. <laughs> no, don't open that. Don't open the whole closet. Clink, clunk, 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 clunk. Then the sound of people turning off a podcast because they, <laughs> they don't Stuart understand Jackson's the reference. Phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hit the What's st- new in the world of role-playing games? <laughs> if you want to see what Stuart's checking on his phone right now, just switch to SAP. I think that we... Now let's check in on Jack Benny in Rochester and what they're up to. <laughs> Which is also uh, 1941. <laughs> I mean, 1941 referenced a lot of weird old yeah. culture that doesn't exist anymore. But my dad and I showed up, and I think we were like 20 minutes late. And I'm like, I don't want to go into movie 20 minutes late. My dad's <coughs> like, I'm going in. And I I love, even as a child, you're like, this is not the way this film was meant to be seen. <laughs> Precisely. And the funny thing about it was, this movie was not meant to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> so, And my dad went in to see it, and I just waited until the next showing. And then... He very graciously let me come in, and what? And, and we watched it again. What is weird about that he is he'd already he seen the movie. Twice. That yeah. is true love for his son that he watched it twice. I think he just wanted to see that nude lady at the beginning of the movie. Again. Fair. The internet didn't exist yet. It was harder to see nude ladies. That nude lady. So at the beginning of the movie, a woman goes into the ocean. This uh, movie is set in the year of the title, nineteen forty-one, and it's loosely based on an incident when. 
people started shooting into the skies in California because they thought they saw Japanese planes, but it didn't actually happen. Right. After Pearl Harbor, everyone on the on the west coast of the United States was afraid that uh, Japan was going to invade at any moment. It was back and when the United States was kind of gun crazy. <laughs> back then. <laughs> We've gotten over that now. And also afraid of foreigners in a way that is just not really right. understandable to today's Americans. Sure. And so Steven Spielberg got together with John Milius and Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, and they're like, let's make a funny comedy. Otherwise known as Hollywood's Comedy Brain Trust. <laughs> John Milius. We're going to take the comedy genius of John Milius. <laughs> how, can we, how can we create some comedy genius? I know Right after Pearl Harbor, we got so paranoid that we put every Japanese-American into a prison camp. That's a funny idea for a comedy. And they made it. It's called 1941. I mean, they don't really cover the prison camps in this one. but Maybe it, that was in the bloops that we didn't see. <laughs> There's a whole subplot they must have cut out. That's that was, like gonna, that was clearly going to be the, the sequel. Yeah. yeah. There was so much reference, like offensive reference to... Japanese American and Japanese citizens. It was mm-hmm. the movie could not have possibly have been made today or ever. It's it was uh during it seems like it was made during that that kind of the what's the flip of golden that brief that period when when the freedom of the filmings of the seventies leaden yeah like <laughs> like clashed and and merged head on with the emerging kind of like bro capitalist culture of the 80s in a way where suddenly it was like rich white guys trying to rape women is funny and like is a is a sign of heroism and freedom in a way that like i don't understand it but that's just how it is these days guys so there's a lot in this movie of like guys trying to get with women in ways that are like not even that or just make your stomach turn but the movie is like boys will be boys right this is pretty funny stuff come on right well, this one guy reference eggs. to Go ahead. What? Well, no. I, oh, well, this. Uh, but it's clearly like also inspired by. It, it feels like this was made by people who don't understand comedy and were like, correct. National Lampoon is funny. Everybody loves <laughs> National Lampoon. Let's just do what they do. Yeah. Totally just stick it to the broads. Because <laughs> <You know, laughs> if there's anyone needs to be taken down a peg, it's women. <laughs> Even when I they saw the movie. They had an equal rights amendment passed. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Comedy yeah, is can. punching down, Elliot, always. <laughs> at the person you're standing on. <laughs> when I was eight years old and I saw this film, finally, after waiting in the lobby for the first half an hour. <laughs> you know, what it's were you so doing insane. in the lobby? Were you reading a book? Reading I don't, I don't was know. John, read, John Hodgman <laughs> reading a book? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out because there weren't. Well, the, 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 Cleveland Circle, the, Cle- the Cleveland Circle also had an art gallery in it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, was this the sort of art gallery where you could, you know, like it was basically like a coffee house where you could buy what was up on the wall for thirty bucks? Yeah, or? of course. Oh, yeah. When you okay. when you sat down in the Cleveland Circle Cinema uh, in Cleveland Circle Brookline uh, before the show started, they would say, "Make sure to visit our art gallery." Ah, excuse me. Make sure to visit our art gallery. Everything is for sale, and it was a very it was a mid century modern cinema. And you could check out their modern art that was up there, and I mean, that's I perused cool. it for a while while I was thinking about why my dad had gone into a movie without me, and I'm eight years old. <laughs> I'm you, alone in a lobby. <laughs> are you saying you didn't try and earn your your movie fare by beating people in in arm wrestling matches oh, or something? It never occurred to me that I could beat anyone ever. <laughs> so, but I do remember going into the movie and then seeing the scene that you're discussing, which is that Treat Williams plays. Uh, what a member of the, <coughs> first of all, well, this, this movie, this movie has 
17,000 characters. They thought they were making Nashville when they made this movie. There's so many characters. They're all running around. They get picked up and dropped higgledy-piggledy, and their plot lines peter out or explode at random moments. And they're constantly – like, you're an hour into this movie, and they're still introducing characters. And you're like it, – it, I have to assume that, like, Gary, a middle-aged Gary Marshall saw this, and he was like, bravo. This is how movies are supposed to be made. I'm going to make so many movies with a ton of characters just dumped I into can't wait grave. to make – Pearl Harbor Day, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> That's my terrible rest, imitation rest, of Paul F. Tompkins doing a great imitation of Gary Marshall. Rest in, rest in peace. peace. Rest in R.I.P. Rest Paul F. Tompkins' <laughs> impression of Gary Marshall. Also, Paul F. Tompkins is dead. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So Treat Williams played one of the many 10,000 characters. And uh, he... Uh, he was the la- biggest star in America at this time, right? Well, who I, oh, he's a real treat to see in the movie. <laughs> and his name continues on in our Halloween saying of Trick or Treat because of his short-lived partnership in a series of movies with Johnny Trick. <laughs> oh, Elliot. Johnny Trick was a dog. <laughs> in real life? No, I'm making it up as I go along. Also All a right. male prostitute. If you're not singing, I don't want to hear it. Anyway, <laughs> Tree Williams play, say. played... A a, a, a a member of a tank battalion who mm-hmm. who got a a fixation upon a young woman, <coughs> sure, who was being courted by the ostensible lead of the movie, a, a he, character named Wally, played by. Hang on, I got to look this he's guy up. He's the hero of the movie, much the way Danny is Something supposed to be the did, hero of Caddyshack, and yet like, disappears for broad swaths of movie because he's not yeah. that entertaining. Right, exactly. So it's like in that moment in Caddyshack where the, where the waitress goes, Danny. I'm pregnant, and you're like, wait, was I supposed to care about this character? <laughs> wait, she's There's Australian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good day, mate. You threw another sperm on me, Barbie. <laughs> Does that plot go anywhere? What happens to her in Caddyshack? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, she gets hit by a ball, and, and it knocks the baby knocks out of her. The baby out of her. The gopher steals the baby. I mean, it's another. It's <laughs> Raises a, it as one of its own. This movie is part in that that milieu of. A woman in a movie is pregnant out of wedlock, and you're like, oh, shit, this guy's got a real problem on his hands. Her life does not enter into the scenario. Right. How does this affect this dude who was just going to be a caddy for the summer? Uh, so the, I don't like the, that movie either. The ostensible yeah. main character in this film is Bobby DeChicho. Oh, okay. Yeah, who is not— He's a dancer and a short-order cook. <laughs> and he mm-hmm. is not a very good waiter. Let's just say that. No, well, he doesn't like to take orders. <laughs> but also, <laughs> yeah, it's literally one of his, a major in, part of his job. Everyone in the movie gets one defining characteristic— his is he loves to dance, and yeah. I guess he's a bad dancer. And Treat Williams is that he hates eggs, and I guess he's a rapist. Our hero, though, is yeah. – I don't I don't think you have to say I guess on that one. Do you think <laughs> that this was built out of like a Second City-style like improv routine where they're like, let's just take some suggestions from the audience, go away for 15 minutes, we'll write the entire script, uh, and then very the movie's possible. done. Like, uh, okay, doesn't like eggs, uh, likes to rape women, uh, only gets yeah, sexually the, turned on when in a flying aeroplane. But the not, the not like, oh, so that, that's another, so every character has a, a one certain bit. sexual peccadillo. Much like all the great comedy characters of comedy films have one thing that they do over and over throughout the entire movie every time. Just think of. Charlie Chaplin, the Marx Brothers, right. uh, all of them, where they have just one they single all, they thing. They all hung off clocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> Harold Lloyd, all he does is hangs off clocks. That's it. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin, all he does is eat shoes. That's it. Groucho Marx, all he does is kind of like 
I don't know, smoke a cigar forever. And all that Harpo does, as it says is the name, is he harps, very, is he harps on and on about the most boring topics. <laughs> and of course, silently. Yeah, yeah, and of right. course, Chico Marx is always doing this with his cheeks. <laughs> That's it. You couldn't hear, but I did a cheek sound. <laughs> no, I could hear it. That was okay. disgusting. But, so you as, couldn't see it. Elliot was carefully masturbating into the microphone. <laughs> Carefully, so as not to hurt myself or the microphones. Exactly. Gently, gently. Mm. Mm, this is quite good. But I'm edging keep myself. Keep it gentle. <laughs> keep it gentle. Softer, gentler, gentler. I don't even want to feel it. Gentler, Elliot. Gentler. So that's how I talk to myself when I'm yes, masturbating. That's how you're talking to yourself. You do a third cool, person. You affect yeah. a cool voice. Yeah. <laughs> in kind of, in kind of like a, a British butler voice. Yeah. G- gentler. I like Elliot. to. I like. I like Elliot, I, be gentle. My sex play involves. Involves me being the guy who's always helping Jack Benny at stores. <laughs> mm, yes, Jack. Oh, yes, Frank Nelson. Oh, John <laughs> <laughs> Hodgman is roaring. I knew I knew his name once, and now and now I realize you knew his name always. The, uh, I feel terrible. The, no, it's right. the, so let's we should quickly go through just describing each of these characters or so, many of them real quick. There's Treat Williams, the rapist who hates. This eggs. cast there's, is. Stacked. There's, in fact, it has Robert stacked. <laughs> there's, See you guys later. There, I don't know. There's the dancing waiter who wants to be a dancer and doesn't like orders. Bobby DiCicci. Bobby DiCicci. But he's def- Robert Stack, who's a general who just wants to watch Dumbo. Mm-hmm. There's John Belushi, who's a crazy fighter pilot who's basically just Bluto the pilot and is at certain different points barely human. He's just an animal in a in a plane, grumbling and throwing things at people. There's Warren Oates as. A, a general is just hanging out in the mountains shooting things. There's Eddie Deason as a guy who sits on a carousel watching for Japanese <laughs> subs, and he has a right. ventriloquist dummy that never really pays off. With the mayor of Amityville from Jaws. There's Toshiro Mifune as a Japanese sub commander who wants to attack Los Angeles. There's Christopher Lee as a Nazi guy who's with him on the He's sub. He's just along for the ride. Just there. Slim Pickens as a cowboy they pick up to get information about where L.A. is. That turns into a long scene about Slim Pickens having to poop out a compass on the sub. There's who else? There's Dan Aykroyd as the tank commander. Does doesn't really tell a lot of jokes. John, John Candy, Candy is as buddy. one of the supporting guys in the tank, doesn't have a lot of lines in the movie. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke has almost no lines, and he's just another tank guy. Mm-hmm. There's also, uh, there's, uh, what, what other characters? Oh, there's Tim Matheson, who is trying to lay Nancy Allen the whole time, and the only way to do that is to get her up in a plane, because she's totally turned on by right. flying in planes. Yeah. When so she goes up in a plane, she's magically aroused. So even though he can't fly, he is going to steal a plane under false circumstances and fly her up there so that he can do it, and then I guess crash, having fulfilled his dream of having sex Ladies once. and gentlemen, <laughs> the listeners of this podcast, now that you've listened to this entire dramatic persona, <laughs> I haven't even mentioned I Wendy Jo Spurbo, Spurber, who is the dancing... Ned Beatty's a dancing, pretty big character. Dancing waiter's friend who's obsessed with Tree Williams. Joe Clarity. There's Ned Beatty, the dad of the girlfriend who has an artillery gun parked at his house and learns the joy of firing it through his own house later. There's Joe Flaherty as a foreign owner of a dance hall mm-hmm. where there's a there's a competition going on for best dance. And there is an actor that we just can't seem to place the name of who is also part of the tank battalion mm-hmm. that is not John Candy. And what you John Landis to, shows up in a brief cameo. There's a really mm-hmm. dusty guy. Who not even a, that brief. He's he shows up a couple of times. And what you he's need the to, dusty. Guy, a right? thing to know yeah. also is this is not the Spielberg of Saving Private Ryan. Spielberg directed this. Not the Spielberg of Saving Private Ryan who is in awe of the greatest generation, maybe a little too much, and considers them gods who landed on Earth to free us from Nazis. In this telling, World War II was full of slobs, yahoos, incompetents, losers, morons, rapists. Goofs and goons. <laughs> Your general <laughs> goofs and goons collection. And he's like, greatest generation, more like gooniest gooneration. 
There's got to be at least one character with redeeming value. Eddie Deason is a ventriloquist. Yeah. We've we said that already. <laughs> I got to say, so Elliot. now you've heard all of the characters in this film yeah. and all of their motivations. I think I've mentioned one quarter of the characters <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Clearly, you, the listener, understands the screenplay writes itself. <laughs> you know where this is going from the beginning and where it's going to go till the I end. I mean, we're lucky if you're still listening, if you didn't stop the podcast, throw your phone in a fireplace and run out to rent 1941. Yeah. Honestly, you list that cast and those characters and you think this has got to be the greatest movie that has ever been made. This is the reason celluloid was invented. This you, is- you honestly sell it pretty hard because it, it is when you describe it as it is, it is so wackadoo and out there that people out there might be tricked into thinking, oh, this is crazy. I'd like to see what a crazy movie they made. Nope, just go see Skadoo. That's going to do what you want it to do. It would be a crazy movie full feel, of stars. I feel like maybe, I, I, don't, I can't place that, maybe 15, 20 years later when Mars Attacks comes out, it kind of had the same effect where like, I remember seeing the trailer and being like, oh my God. going to be oh, hilarious. The, the night sky is dark for all the stars are in <laughs> Mars Attacks. <laughs> Only to be uh, disappointed at the time. Obviously, I've come to like the movie more, I think, than I Except Mars more. Attacks for all of its, I mean, that's basically a, a light, lightweight goof. This is the most leaden, heavy, heavy it's a heavyweight goof. Slow, yes, yeah, a heavyweight goof. Right. It's like if Goofy, the Disney character, I mean, just... I guess got divorced and lost his will to live and gained like <laughs> 700 pounds. Like that's what we're watching right now. It's a, it's a very heavyweight goof. It's like there's so little – there's so little sense of coherence in the movie. But instead of coming off like a hell's a pop and craziness, it just is like – it's at a certain point your brain is just like I'm just watching – Lights and flashes in front of my face, and occasionally a long scene where someone's trying to have sex with a lady. Well, there is no, there is never any sense in the movie of who, <coughs> who are they trying to make fun of here? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is the, what is the satirical target of? <laughs> Who's like, the funny guy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there, there's a moment where Wally, the dancer and bad short order cook, says, "I'm not going to take orders from you," which has a certain amount of v- post Vietnam era like. I'm against the, I'm against the, uh, uh, the, like the military establishment, the military establishment, but the military establishment as portrayed in that time is like, we just got attacked by Japanese. <laughs> like we're in the middle of a war for our existence. We got like, attacked by one country and that country's ally is the most evil people in the world. Right. Like it's very weird. It's, it's a weird thing to be taken like a, I mean, unless you're Joseph Heller, and you've been through the war, and your target is military bureaucracy or miscommunication or incompetence. Yeah, like, that's a different thing. That, well, th- this whole movie seemed to be based on the premise that war is idiotic circus chaos, and that it's which hilarious is hilarious would... to see things fall down and blow up. <laughs> well, <laughs> that war is to be despised, but blowing things up is super. Yeah, fun but and everyone involved in everyone involved in the practice of war is a craven monster. <laughs> Or an idiot fool, and that it derives directly from the the Vietnam and post Vietnam films. So Mash, as you mentioned, Elliot, well, I'm we gesturing towards it. you. Well, you know that's a Korean War film. That uh, was a I think he was talking for... about the Monster Mash, actually. <laughs> Not to undercut. Your oh, statement. I did mention that. Anyway, it appears I was working in the lab late one night. <laughs> oh, we've heard about your graveyard smash. <laughs> <laughs> Dracula asked whatever happened to the Transylvania twist, and that's a good question. Nobody dances anymore, but it yeah. was huge at well, one point. Well, because it never existed. <laughs> I mean, for or you the living, this dance exists too. <laughs> but Ma- Mash was... No, I was saying for you the living, this dance is too. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you just want to make sure that that's everyone what, knows like that. It's like Lincoln said. It's rather for us, the living, to finish the work they left undid of the monster mash. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, it, it feels like. Transylvania Burg address. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like nobody is competent in any way in this Including movie. Including the filmmakers. <laughs> well, that's true. It, I mean, there no, are these how little- dare you? <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. There are these long I'll scenes where there's no jokes Steve. whatsoever. Yeah. Nobody is competent comedically in any way. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a few moments where people sell jokes, and there's one dance scene, which is genuinely like a thrilling that dance seems, scene. Right. That scene's fun. And it feels like Steven Spielberg was like, oh, I don't need to put any jokes in this scene. Yeah. This is great. I feel much more comfortable. I'm going to use this scene uh, for the opening scene of uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom later. Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of pieces in this that would later appear better in other Spielberg movies. For sure. Like someone standing on a sub as it sinks. I mean, I'm assuming that – I think I read somewhere that that's the actual physical submarine they used for Raiders. Well, the woman who was on top of the con tower in the beginning, yeah. in the beginning, is the woman from the beginning of Jaws. It opens with a woman skinny dipping. It's and all this interconnected universe that I'm really into. Yeah. I keep talking to you guys about this it's Marvel the, Cinematic Universe and how I like it. Is this, <laughs> yeah. is this the Spielberg Cinematic Universe where so the uh, so that woman is the grandmother of the woman or mother of the woman in Jaws, right? Uh-huh. And also that's the same sub that Indy is on, right? Uh, what other? I guess what other? Same well, similar. Well, you, you know Barry from Close Encounters who gets uh, uh, the the little kid who gets yeah yeah yeah. So Stranger Things is just his dream. What? Whoa! <laughs> and the there are people out there laughing. Just, <laughs> I just know that they are, even though no one here is laughing. And the at that joke. the great great grandson of of Eddie Deason's ventriloquist dummy is <laughs> Haley Joel Osment in AI. <laughs> oh, that's Can we talk sad. about Eddie Deason for about? <laughs> Five to six hours. I would love to. He's I mean, great. I, I, love I mean, I feel like he and Jim Belushi. Jim, oh, oh, man, I got like, I got Jim Belushi oh, on the brain. It's huge. But he and John Belushi both play their perform. They do their performances big as possible. Why do I much prefer Eddie Deason's performance? There's a lot less of him in the movie. Yeah. And he's playing off of the characters. A lot of John Belushi's scenes, he's just by himself, yeah. sputtering and throwing things, going, <laughs> this and movie scratching was, himself. This movie was made when John Belushi was at the absolute height of his fame. And it was, it was a matter of faith that John Belushi could just sit in front of a camera and make a bunch of nonsense faces, and that would be enough to sell. Them. And John Belushi said, "That's literally what I want to do. Could I just sit in front of the camera? <laughs> Could you put a camera in front of me right. in a plane, and I will just sit there and I will mug, and that'll be great." When he first for everyone, appears, right? his plane crashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His plane like semi half crash lands, and he gets out, and the movie like pauses for the audience to lose its shit and applaud for. 30 seconds. Right. Like, these people are just so excited that they, John Belushi Yeah, they expect you to them. jump onto the floor and run circles around, <laughs> whooping it up. <laughs> that even though his name's, he's on the poster, his name is in the credits, You kn- he, I assume, was the biggest selling point of the movie in the advertising, that you were going to be like, John Belushi is in this? Oh, 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 I can't take the joy. Heart explodes. You're yeah. dead now. I assume that they also relied on John Belushi's natural charisma to think that, like, the audience was not going to just be disgusted by this character. Because the character, as presented, is the most massive asshole in the movie. 
Like he gets everything wrong. <laughs> I disagree. He shoots down no. <laughs> an American plane. Does he ever he doesn't attack tra- a woman in the movie. That's true. Does he ever? Does he ever drag she's a woman not under William. a car while she screams for help? Treat Williams in a comedy movie. Later yeah. on, he used all the goodwill that he built up uh, to be on the on the show. Ever? But Treat Williams was supposed to be a villain. John Belushi, I think you're supposed to like a little bit. And oh, you're he supposed was, to love him. And he yeah. was just like. A madman who shot everything that he saw. But he he was also in, in, uh, utterly unimportant to the plot as it was told. <clears throat> yeah. Like, the thing is... There was a separate movie with John Belushi. He's, he's basically the Tasmanian devil, dude. And everybody loves Taz. <laughs> that guy's a that fun, He's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> I mean, he has basically the same amount of Agent lot, of like chaos. same lines. <laughs> true. A lot of the movies are going, spinning around in circles. Smoking a cigar. There's the, the funniest moment he has is when he's standing on the wing of a plane. He falls off at once, and it's not funny. This movie is so many people fall down in it, and I love movies where people fall down, except the movie Falling Down, which I don't like. <laughs> he never really falls down No, in he it. never really falls but down. But I love movies people don't, but it's not funny in this at all. But then he gets back on the wing of the plane and he slips and falls for real. And yeah. you said he ended up in the hospital because of that? Y- yes. And it, I is did his some... fu- and it is his genuinely most funny moment in the movie for me. Yeah, John Belushi falls off the wing of his uh, uh, P-51, I think it is. I don't know. And uh, they, they were filming and he uh, hurt himself very badly and was well, in the hospital for a week. Luckily, like, he lived for... Let's use that it's funny. And it's <laughs> the only legitimately funny part of the movie. <laughs> luckily, he went on to live hundreds of years, right? That's right. Um, uh, yeah, he's a piece of here. I do want like I do want to say, like, yeah, Treat Williams is... Uh, he's no treat in this he's movie. He's disturbing in this movie. Like, I turned to Hodgman at one point and I was like, there's a woman saying, please, please help... <laughs> In the middle of this movie, yeah. she's being dragged off by Treat Williams, and it's it's played off as like well, a but humorous how many thing. Times you laughed at all of her going, "Popeye, help, help, help me, Popeye!" And Bluto's like, "Never." Although I haven't I thought like, of the fact that Bluto is a serial rapist. I didn't think of that. I was tempted. He's literally carrying women away against their will. Let, let's tempted. <laughs> yes, let's be fair to Bluto. Alleged. Let's uh, let's put it let's put a pin in the Popeye comparison because I think there's something very interesting there. Okay, <laughs> but I just want to say that even as an eight year old watch, well, maybe even especially as an eight year old watching this movie, the Treat Williams character dragging that woman under a car, Jesus mm-hmm, Christ, was one of the most terrifying. I mean, like. You know, that was the same year in which Alien came out. And <laughs> yeah. Wait, have you say, seen Alien? <laughs> well, I had not seen Alien at that time because that was an R-rated movie. But Too I bad. had read like my dad, my same dad. It's like, we can take I only had one dad. Okay. My dad who took me to see 1941. <laughs> you had different dads for each movie. Also, in a, in a very ben- benign, dumb, dumb way, had bought me the comic book adaptation of Alien, which oh. was produced by Heavy Metal. And Heavy Metal, the adult comic book mm-hmm. magazine at, at the time. Yeah, metal You're using launched. adult yeah. sort of charitably. I mean, the adult in that it had boobs Boobie. in it. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. booby. It doesn't mean adult as if, it, as in it was like about people re- approaching middle age and wondering <laughs> well, no, where I their just, dreams no. <laughs> I think well, that. Yeah. But the, if you're interested in that, make sure to buy my book, <laughs> Vacation Land, <laughs> coming out this fall from Viking. I'm just it's saying. Just about, it's just about adult it's themes. It's your run it's, rabbit run. It's yeah. basically saying. heavy metal. <laughs> the, the appeal of heavy metal is to 13-year-old boys. Let's not 
be uh, and thirty-seven year old stewards, <laughs> yeah, right. which is essentially a thirteen-year-old boy, forty-five-year-old nostalgic. Like there's part like of myself. me, that, there's part of me that thinks Stuart that like right before I met you, you found a wizard machine that made you big, <laughs> and your actual age is only about fourteen. Yep, and I've been trapped in this body the whole time. Trapped? I, I mean, so I should be so trapped. Yeah, it was the you. most Jewish thing Thank I've you. ever said. Somebody I should be so trapped. Is. I should be so trapped. <laughs> no, so you're trapped. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing about Treat William's Somewhere character. there's a 13 year old in Dudley Moore's body who's you. <laughs> in Dudley, Dudley Moore's body. Rotting away. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> now, uh, so, it's, so, I got so, the, so I got the alien comic book from my dad. Sure. And Heavy, heavy Metal had the, the, the concession the, 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 to make adaptations of certain R rated and certain more adult. Yeah adult-themed films, mm-hmm. including Alien and including 1941, and I got both of them. And the 1941 comic is insane. It, it, it's like all, I would imagine it's like Jack Davis, like Mad Magazine crew style yes. artwork. Okay, Which yeah, this, is what the movie is trying to be. It's trying uh-huh. so hard to be a Jack Davis movie. It's trying to be a Mad Magazine version of it's trying to be a yeah. Mad Magazine parody of itself, yeah. basically. Yeah, it, like, like it, Whatever the movie was, this is the Mad Magazine version of it. Was it 1940 black? (laughs) (laughs) This movie would make much more sense if a big credit came up that said, like, co-directed by Will Elder. And you're like, oh, that's why there's all this shit in the background all the time. Because he's putting all his chicken fat jokes in. So many extras in this movie. My lord. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea that in, like, the the corners of the movie, Sergio Aragoni's characters are doing crazy things. I mean, there's shots where there's just, like, a women's a women's legs with stockings and high heels just kicking, sticking up out of the ground, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, and there's Santa Claus is getting blown up in the corner of the frame everywhere and things like that. So here's how I would describe True Williams. For people who haven't seen 1941 and don't want to and shouldn't, if you saw The Master, the Paul mm-hmm. Thomas Anderson movie, you know the Joaquin Phoenix character in that who is this hugely traumatized, if he was ever ever fully functional emotionally character who cannot communicate mm-hmm. with others and he only kind of understands violence and lust at their most raw forms that's the treat williams character but played as a joke and also mm-hmm. he hates eggs don't even get him started about eggs <laughs> that's what, serve them to him that's that was the sure. most offensive thing about this movie is that it sets up the fact that wally the bobby de Ciccio character gets a little bit of egg yolk on his uniform he's like i hate eggs <laughs> I can't ever have eggs near me. And then when he goes to the USO dance, he sees some deviled eggs. He's like, I hate eggs again. That just sets Send him it. off. He's that a great was, Santini. But then that was the another very, yeah. no pay, Spielberg no thing. The that payoff was, is what? that he eventually falls into a big thing of eggs. Exactly, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, I must have... It, he hates snakes and he falls into a bunch of snakes. Yep, that's, Here he hates eggs and he falls into a bunch of eggs. It's that's, this Biff in the manure moment. That's the script is he says, okay, this villain is going to fall in What? A big pile of eggs. Okay, let's work backwards let's from there. Let's plant that earlier. The Japanese sub is lost. <laughs> <laughs> so when 1941 was turned into this comic book, uh, the I don't remember the other artists in it, but it was Steve Bissett, who's a very talented Oh, who's fantastic. Oh, shit. Yeah, right. Creator of what, Tyrant, and, yeah. And it's in, in, and it, it, it truly is the, the yeah. mad magazine version of this movie, which is the only way you could imagine this movie being. You can't imagine this movie being a movie, basically. It's better as a comic book. Yeah. Steven Spielberg wrote an introduction and and this came out the he wrote it the year before the movie came out and he said, 
I can see 1941 more as a cleansing experience. <laughs> <laughs> the one possible way I can make you forget all the good things I've done in motion pictures. <laughs> Be merciful. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg writing about his own movie. <laughs> well, everything. I mean, that makes me like him more. He was clear eyed about it. That he wasn't yeah. like, get ready for the most gut busting, knee slapping, <laughs> side splitting move moment in motion picture no, history. He, he must Step have Step aside, that- Marxes. Step aside, <laughs> Abbott and Costello. You met Frankenstein. Well, get ready to meet. What's the character? What's John Belushi's character's name? Wild Bill Kelso. Get ready to meet Wild Bill Kelso. He had a different <laughs> name in the trailer, right? I think the trailer for this movie, they introduced his character as something. It was like Kyle Bill Welsa. <laughs> 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 he was Wild Bill Kelso. Has Steven Spielberg made another comedy? I would say that uh, Catch Me If You Can is kind of a light that's, comedy. Yeah, that's kind of comedy-ish. It's a, yeah, but it's not billed as a comedy. No, made, it's, uh, not a, it's not a madcap comedy like this one is. We made, well, I mean, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is, is meant to be a parody of the Indiana Jones movies, right? Where like, all the things you thought were cool oh, are now stupid Elliot. and goofy. Oh, come on. Right? Yeah. That's what that is? Hey-o! Um... <laughs> Take that. What was that? <laughs> that was just me re- ending the bit. <laughs> <laughs> <Yo. laughs> Nuked in a fridge. <laughs> Diamonds on the nuked in the fridge. But like Spielberg I mean, is very it's not as though Spielberg doesn't have comedic moments in No, he's movies, very good right? at doing small comedic moments in he's movies. He's good at dusting his movies and, with comedy. I mean, and Ra- I mean, Raiders. Like Schindler's I, List even has a few jokes in it. As you as you say, like it I all starts. It. No, but I'm saying no. It does have like right. It's like that is as serious a movie as it gets from that man. But even that has a few moments that are like tension lifters or like very brief moments of lightness among horror. You know, right? It's like uh, like Saving say Private that, Ryan has some jokes. Like when you find out that only one brother survived. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not really the joke. <laughs> oh, but, I thought that was hilarious. But like, Saving Private Ryan does have jokes in it. Like, they're t- they have that story but about it's the not, guy who has to pee on all their jackets. It's not and like stuff. a big, uh, it's not a big, like, huge ensemble, you know, comedy. It's not like SOB or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, that's true. Dan, finish what you were saying. No, Raiders, I think, though, like, you got you to gotta give it to Raiders. Like, Raiders has the perfect marriage of. The movie is an action movie, and it's kidding an action movie at the same time. Yes. Like, I feel like that and, for me, that and North by Northwest are sort of equal in that they work on two different levels simultaneously. And neither the comedy nor the action thriller part of it, like, takes over too much. And Harrison Ford has some tremendous comic chops. Yeah, just watch The Frisco Kid. (laughs) <laughs> God, <laughs> there's beer in my nose. No, now. but he's Thank got, you. like Harrison Ford is like, genuinely like very. Oh, he's very yeah, like in the world. Roberts and Meckis movie, What Lies Beneath. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like movie I Random- saw in Germany when it was known as Der Schatten der Wahrheit. <laughs> but seriously, like in Random One- Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding Henry. Come on. Come on. Oh, how dare you? I was just about to. Ah. Well, well, look, I'm going to bring it back to serious. You know, like in Firewall. When, when Harrison. When, look. What was that Harrison Irish Ford, movie made with Brad The Devil's Pitt? Own. Oh, with Brad Pitt. <laughs> Irish movie. Brad Pitt plays an Irish character. No, that's a movie Irish where movie. They, they keep saying in Brad Pitt's terrible Irish accent, like, 
oh, it's not an American story. It's an Irish <laughs> one. And I'm like, get out of it. Get the fuck out of here, dude. I'm a teenager and I know this is bullshit. <laughs> With two refreshing deodorants. Two deodorants. <laughs> She's kind of an Irish vampire. <laughs> when when Harrison Ford says to Carrie Fisher, rest in peace, she says, I love you. And he says, I know. That's one of the finest <coughs> lines in cinema. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, that is a, a beautiful comedic improvisation, which mm-hmm. we know that it was. And as we were talking about when we watched the movie, the funniest scene in Raiders when he just shoots that guy was Harrison Ford improvising on set. Yeah, perfect. Like that's him saying, here's a better way to do this scene that also means I don't have to go through all this choreography when I'm dealing with diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, am I going to have a, like a, right. an end of usual suspects moment when I realize every single good Harrison Ford joke <laughs> involves him having to take a shit? Right. <laughs> he, he had a long speech in Empire Strikes Back and he's like, I'll just say I know and then I got to run to the can. <laughs> and when he's Harrison- like, can we shoot this after I use the toilet? Time is money, Harrison. We're in golden time. The, the sets, Harrison Ford's bowels are the funniest people in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, the, the people say it's uh oh it's instead of get bruce it's the thing get is harrison ford's bowels <laughs> the restaurant like, next to the set to- of regarding henry got shut down by the health department <laughs> after the movie was filmed they're like they're like we just can't come up with a line for this well here's the secret i'm gonna bring in harry ford we are just gonna stuff him full of prunes and coffee <laughs> And then we're going to lock him in this room and we're going to see what comes out of him. He's gonna, Whatever he's gonna he comes out of, it's going to be hilarious. That's true. Harrison Ford's shits are hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, and in, in Raiders, when he is in that, that love scene uh, with Karen Allen and he gets hit on the chin with that. Oh yeah, uh, mirror. Yeah, that's pure slapstick. Yeah, like it's a it's a beautiful moment. It's the one moment in Raiders where someone goes ah, <laughs> whereas in 1941 everyone goes ah all every, the time. Every scene they're like, you know, what make this funnier if we had a long close up of someone going. Ah, 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 just, just to remind people that it's co- it's supposed to be comedy. They're like you kind of imagine Steven Spielberg coming picture in picture during scenes going to be like these are the jokes, folks, and then appearing <laughs> and then like. And joke. What this movie needed was the applause sign they have at SNL where there's no joke to end a sketch. It just kind of stops and then you there's a moment and then you hear applause. And that moment is the light from the applause meter hitting the eyes of the audience and going into their yeah, brains. Right. So decoding it so they know to applaud. Yeah, that's what this movie needed. Also, uh, to be better. <laughs> this is also a movie where there's a scene where a tank drives into a crowd and then Frank McRae climbs out of the tank and puts on a catcher's uniform. <laughs> Why does he have a catcher's uniform? It's that was 40s. a pure Mad Magazine moment. Yeah. yeah. But what was it lampooning? Like the military? It's just fun. It's just having Like the fact that fun, Slim Pickens know? was in the movie at all was clearly cool. like, we're trying to draw a line between this and Dr. Strange Glove and the great. I mean, it's there's possible a scene they were with... trying to draw a line between this and One Eyed Jacks. <laughs> Wait, the, the, the gambling strip club and Twin Peaks? <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. yes, yeah. that. No, the Marlon Brando Western. Hey, I'm John Hodgman. Have you, uh, are you a subscriber to Showtime? Because Twin Peaks is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> David Lynch, you're obligated to send John Hodgman a check now. <laughs> and yet all the letters I send him to bring on the air back have failed to get a reply. Mm. I gotta watch those episodes of On the Air that I bought from a Japanese bootleg DVD. That's the only way to get them. They were only ever released in Japan. I think. If you, I assume you have a dub of what I had, which was a VHS copy 
of the Laserdisc from Japan, of, on, of the On the Air episodes, yeah. where you have... There are certain parts of the show that have captions on them. <laughs> Hi, the I'm John Hodges. We're going to take a little break now to talk about the Max Fun Drive. Uh, uh, I wait, can't wait. hear this anymore. Uh, we were so, just talking about a no, mid-season no, replacement you. sitcom that no, aired no, three yeah. times and never again. John May, the guest on this show, is I'm going to go get another drink, and Dan's going to talk about the Max Fun Drive. <laughs> John makes a good point, which is that we should go to the final judgments of this uh, show. I feel like and, we barely scratched the surface uh, in 1941, but we should, yeah. Uh, well, so much more to say. I'll, I'll be back in a moment. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll let Hodgman get a that's drink. The tease. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is: Is this a good bad movie? No. Nope. A bad bad movie? Yes. Or a movie you kind of liked? No. Nope. Uh, Stuart, what do you have to say about it? Oh man! So I remember watching this movie as a kid, and I I remember being like excited because I knew a number of these performers from other things like Ghostbusters, and I guess Animal House. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but. <laughs> I I remember watching this movie and being disappointed and looking back, you know what? Younger me was right. He had a lot of reason to be disappointed because uh, it's not a very good movie. Now, I want to share an anecdote. One of my uh, one of my, uh, one of my regulars at the bar. Let's call him Robert Manhattan. Okay. Uh, he works in film and he was working <laughs> that, on <laughs> I feel like you said that in a way that like we're supposed we're to puzzle yeah, out and code that. No, what got, that is. You guys are seeing me wink, right? Yeah, yeah uh, a lot of winking going on. So he was I still, still don't know what that means. Out. He was working on a film project rec- uh I don't think it was recently, but with a guy who had been on he had uh, he was working Bobby with Bobby Brooklyn. Who had worked <laughs> is that his real name? Uh, close, Dan, but I don't reveal my sources. Is it Rob Bronx? <laughs> so uh, he was working on a on a film or a TV show with a guy who had worked on 1941, and that guy had shared a number of different anecdotes about uh, like listening to Steven Spielberg argue with people over the phone, and one of the times uh, he he clearly remembered Steven Spielberg arguing about. A scene. There was a uh, apparently there was a continuity error at one point because he's because li- there's a scene where the tank drives through a a paint factory and gets paint all over it, and he remembered hearing Steven Spielberg on the phone say, "Uh, okay, it's covered in paint, so I guess next they'll just drive through a turpentine factory." Solved, <laughs> and in fact, that's what happens in the movie. And even that is is done in such a way that when it's over, you're like, wait. Let me piece together the joke that I just saw. Hold on yeah. a second. Yeah, Elliot and I both agreed that that has the potential of being a good joke, but, but it is filmed but, but, so but ineptly. Clearly, but clearly, that shows that like that was a thing that they didn't really think about. And then afterwards, they're like, "Fuck, we just got to get this done. Let's just do a quick thing of them busting out of a turpentine factory, as opposed to setting up that joke, which worked. I mean, but that's exactly the kind of thinking that worked for him on Raiders, like we were talking about, where it's like, "Well, we can't do that. Let's just do this." Yeah, like, but why was his timing? So great in Raiders and so terrible on this movie. I think he doesn't really get comedy timing, but he gets thrill timing. So, like, if a con- if a joke is set among thrills. By the way, I'm back. It's John Hodgman, the host of the show. <laughs> that wasn't Dan. Yeah, <laughs> who suddenly had just was switching his voice. The like he gets like he gets thrill timing. Like he's Steven Spielberg is one of these filmmakers where when I was a kid, I loved him. And then I became a cynical guy in his twenties and was like, he's too mainstream. And now I love him again. Like for all his short sure. movies, like he's a master, but he like he's a master of certain things. They don't always translate. I, by the way, Stu and Dan have left now. We so drove just, away. Just you and me. I'm gonna give my the, da- the dance sequence in this film <coughs> is really good. It's spectacular. Yeah. And you understand like it's the one moment in the movie where you understand 
who everyone is, what they want, where they are in the in the world of the film, and what their conflict is. And it's is. not trying to be funny. It's just like, I'm going to no. entertain you with some yeah. dancing. It's, it's Every, like everything scene. else in this movie is trying so hard to be funny that it distorts itself. Because there's, it, like the only way that he understands that people can be funny is Eddie Deason going, rah, rah. I mean, let's be fair to Eddie Deason. He's one of the funnier things in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Deason didn't, I apologize. That's right. The, 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 the unfair thing was asking the mayor from Amity <laughs> Jaws to, to be the funny. Screen with, right, exactly. Share the screen with Eddie Deason. It's just going to blow him away. <laughs> right. I'm going to say that uh, I give this a marginal good-bad, but not in the way mm. that like it's so bad it's funny, but it's bad in a unique way that's interesting to watch. It's educational. Yes. I would say, if I, if I may support sure. you, it's, <coughs> it's not good bad, but it is essential bad. Like anyone who who wants to understand comedy and also wants to understand good filmmaking should see this movie to mm-hmm. understand how a good filmmaker can make a terrible comedy. And you and you often can learn a lot more about how things work by seeing them completely not work. I mean, you know, there's like, this, like I feel like even someone who doesn't know movies can be like, I see why that doesn't. Yeah, work. and Steve, Steven Spielberg did not want to make a comedy. He had been. In, in the same way, and I don't want to bring this down to politics, but in the same, <laughs> in, the sa- in the same way, the Republican Party has been captured by the by the former Soviet Union. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Steven Spielberg, in this in this case, was a client state to the legacy of Animal House. Like everyone threw money at Steven Spielberg to make another Animal House, and they gave every. Every actor who had been in Animal House plus everyone, everyone else in comedy and said, go and do a thing. And he even had John Landis in the – like the fact that he had John Landis in the movie as a disgraced, like dusty uh, motorcycle sergeant or whatever was insane. It was, it was as if to suggest that like, yeah, I can really – I can do this. The right way, John Landis. <laughs> I'm going to show you how to make a movie. Yeah, like but John John Landis, the, the, this dumb character actor in this movie, m- m- understood his uh, cultural moment in a way that Steven Spielberg absolutely did not in this movie. That's there's, what I'm say. there's a scene in this movie with Slim Pickens, Christopher Lee, and Toshiro Mafucking Fune in oh, it, dude. God, right. Like it's so such a wasted potential that these three actors are in the same scene. Yeah, and like I would just rather watch the them hanging out. You know, like a like a like cut stuff from the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, right. also like just like goofing. The movie held zagging on each shows other. Shows you that like you can do a movie with two great actors, Toshiro Mafune and Lee Marvin, who are not even speaking the same language the entire movie, and it can be really tense and entertaining. These guys, like, yeah, it would have been, like, to, you have Christopher Lee speaking German, Tashir Mafuni speaking Japanese, and Slim Pickens, of course, speaking American, because, you know, what else? Right. But it's plain like, American. But, uh, like... You can't speak plain American! But, and, like, they're just... That they have to... That the scene... Uh, the scene in cinema history, when these three amazing actors are together, iconic actors for different reasons, is about a guy who swallowed a compass and has to poop it out so they can find their way to Hollywood, like some kind of twisted, scatological Muppet movie. That's right. It's like... Yeah. It's so disappointing. Here's the thing I want to say about 1941. I agree with everything you guys said. I feel like this is one of those movies, like Ishtar, where every few years, there's a little bit of a mini wave of like, you know what? It's called a huge bomb. It's remembered as a huge bomb, but it's actually a pretty funny movie. And I want to tell you, don't listen to anyone who ever says that. They are just trolling you, 
and they are doing it just to seem like they know something you don't know. And you're going to go back and watch this movie, and you're going to be like, wait a minute, that wasn't very funny. No, this movie is not funny. It is horribly flawed, deeply disturbing, uh, racist, (laughs) misogynist. But it is... so much money went into making it. It is offensively rich-looking, you know? Right. There's something about the, the use of slang toward Japanese people where on one hand you could be like, well, you know, it's said in the 40s and of course this is right after Pearl Harbor, but it's said in a way where it's like the movie makers seem to be okay with it. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> everyone in the movie was like it wanted to live out their World War II fantasy in different mm-hmm. ways and I guess that was part of it. I don't know, but it's yeah, it's real gross and skeevy. I mean, to Shiro Mifune, to be fair, Maintains his, he's the only character who maintains his dignity throughout the entire movie. Hi, I, I think he even says that at the end. He's, at one point, he says, "This is not honorable." And you're like, <laughs> "Yes, you're right. This this whole film is not." As opposed to the Japanese yeah, sailor that, who just keeps yelling Hollywood, which is not honorable at all. Like, yeah, the moment the moment in the opening scene when he sees a naked woman's butt, he goes Hollywood. That's, <laughs> um, <laughs> It's a, That's it's, what I yell whenever I see a naked woman's butt. It's a, it's a monstrous disaster. That's why you can't go to strip clubs anymore. <laughs> but you should. Yeah, they got a picture of him on the wall. <laughs> Everyone should They're see like, it. You're as not a allowed warm. to masturbate to this picture <laughs> of Dan McCoy. <laughs> Do not show butts to this man. <laughs> Dan, what's happening? Uh, what's happening is it's the Max Fun Drive 2017. The Pledge Drive. Great. No. Oh, so my producer Dan reminds me, the host of this show. <laughs> Oh, you get it's a producer the credit? Drive. Yeah. <laughs> I belong to the Producers Guild. Oh, wow. So 2017. Is, so let's talk about some of the benefits of donating to support these shows. Aside from the immediate benefit, which is that you keep these shows alive by donating And that you're them. giving money to something that you like. Like, as, as an adult, being able to... I'm in a position where I can give money to things that I like, and it feels really awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I know I, that's just fair. Yeah. Being able to support the things I like is cool. I don't know why you're laughing at that, uh, Elliot. That seems like a very reasonable. I thought it was very think. sweet. All right, you're uncomfortable with emotion, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, you got me. Aww. Uh No, I I agree with Stuart. It's great to support the things that you like. Listen <laughs> to me. Sorry. Listen, I uh, I listen to podcasts all the time. At this point, podcasts are one of my primary sources of entertainment. It's they, like podcast, pornography, crying into a mirror. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. Why won't Candyman show up? <laughs> I've said it five <laughs> times. Candyman is like, this is not something I want to get involved with. I don't know what your <laughs> deal is, man. Like, but stop, stop crying, dude. <laughs> look, look. <laughs> Candyman checks his cell phone. It's ignored. Ignore. Goes back to what he's doing. Candyman is like, Candyman is like, this is a little bit more than I want to get into. No strings attached scares. That's kind of me, you know. <laughs> no, but uh, podcasts are my constant companion, honestly. Like, I listen to them when I walk around the city. I listen to them when I'm doing uh, chores around the house. They're things that I pay money for that I don't use. Whoa. Like, like Hulu. I'm paying fucking $8 a month for Hulu. That's $76 a year. I don't use that No, nonsense. more than that. Sorry, that's $96 a year. I'm not watching it. Why do I pay for it? All right. I'll pay for it for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Successful. <laughs> oh, man. Max Fun Podcast, I listen to all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and you're a donor. I'm, I'm a, a donor. donor. I'm Sue's a donor. Sue's a donor. I'm, a, I'm assuming John's a donor. I'm a donor. 
Total donor. And so, okay, so let's <laughs> set that aside. So you do, you already get the thrill of keeping alive something you love, showing your support of it, and mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know what? I believe in a world where creative creators are compensated for their work and not in this steal them up Napster world that we've become so accustomed to. You're talking about concrete benefits at this point now, right, Ellen? Yeah, Yeah, I'm saying what's in it for the listeners beyond some sweet ear candy? Well, literally sweet ear candy, because we're talking at the $5 a month level. What do you get, Elliot? Well, at the $5 a month level, you get, Dan? You get bonus content. <laughs> uh, at this point, there's hundreds of hours of bonus content from all the Max Fun shows. We've got like six or seven hours at least in there already of just the flop house. We're talking about stuff like we uh, watched Small Wonder and mm-hmm. we talked about it. We watched <laughs> Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. What did you do? Did you talk about and it? And we talked about <laughs> and it. And for we, this one, what's, the for new, this one, the, what's our the, premiere for this one? For 2017, we watched uh, the Christmas episode of the 1980s cartoon series Rubik the Amazing Cube. And talked and about it. And we discussed it. it. <laughs> if that sounds like something you're interested in, you want to donate at the $5 a month level. John, John what did you do for your bonus episode this year? Oh, uh, we had um, a, an earlier episode where there were two uh, uh, twins. Uh, you two, mean two twins? Twins. <laughs> two uh, two dudes who are twins. You mean uh, twins? <laughs> <laughs> That's enough, Elliot. <laughs> and they uh, they had a fight over whether or not um, they were fraternal twins or identical twins. Were their names Tomax and Zamok? <laughs> One of them wanted to take a test to find out whether they're fraternal or identical. And the other one said, let's leave it alone. Uh, we forced them to take a test. And our Was the test episode, punching them to see if the other one felt it? It's not really how twins work. <laughs> no, it was a, the, it's the, a blood test. <laughs> okay. And we forced them to take a blood test. And uh, our bonus episode is we reveal the results <laughs> of whether or not they are. Fraternal or identical. Uh, does bailiff Jesse uh, Jesse Thorne like hoot and holler and run around the stage like he's on a Maury Povich episode? <laughs> <laughs> he's shutting pie holes all over the place for sure. So that's at the five dollar level. Bonus episodes from all the Max Fun shows. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. so many episodes what's, of different things. What's the special ten dollar level? Yet? At the ten dollar level, John ten dollar month level. You this is ten dollar a month. This is not one time ten dollars. No, don't mm-hmm. pull that shit on us. <laughs> you can give a one time donation if you want, I guess. That's right. But this is monthly stuff, subscription. Mm-hmm. You get a exclusive enamel pin designed by <coughs> Megan Lynn Cott. There's a design for every Maximum Fun show, and you get to pick your favorite. And uh, not only do you get to pick your favorite, but if we reach our ten thousand uh, member, a new and upgrading member, uh, because uh, even if goal, you're a donor, you can upgrade your membership. To a yeah. higher level. If you if we hit that ten thousand member goal, people who have donated at the ten dollar a month level, either now or in the past, have the option of buying more of these enamel pins because so you, these are pretty mm-hmm. sweet enamel pin yeah, designs. So if we reach that goal, you don't have to choose just one; you can buy other ones. It's too. funny that you said "butt" because the flophouse pin kind of looks like a butt, well, and it's, it's a great. Peach. It's a peach. <laughs> it's a peach. It's an original peach. peach. It's great. And there's a ton of great uh, there's a ton of great ones on there. If you don't get the Flophouse one, uh, while I will be disappointed, uh, I do, I understand. Yeah. there's a lot of great. <laughs> that bim bam zag on them is pretty sweet. I got to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sound like a traitor to me. <laughs> uh, at the twenty dollar per month level, you get the Keep in Touch kit, which has nine custom note cards plus envelopes. 
with three encouraging designs, designed by Brian Sunny D. Fernandez. Mm-hmm. A four-color rocket Brian pen. purple stuff, Hernandez. No. <laughs> a four-color <laughs> rocket. Less ro- popular. That's a, that's a deep-cut joke of a commercial. <laughs> not really? That, that deep a cut? I mean, it's a deep cut for anyone who wasn't born exactly when we were born, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you get a four-color rocket pen, a getting-their-rocket stamp, and a rocket-shaped candle, which smells, according to this ad copy, like a freshly sharpened pencil, friendship, and a little bit of wax because it's a candle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the keep-in-touch kit that you get at the $20 per that's month That's pretty level. great. Now, the $35, <coughs> or what is it, $30 a 35 month? $35 a month. This is where shit gets hot. Because in addition to all the stuff from the other levels, you also get a pair of fucking awesome beer steins with the Max Fun logo on them. Double steins. <laughs> Double <laughs> steins. Um, and as the owner and proprietor of a business that sells beer, I have an appreciation for good glassware. And let me tell you, ooh doggies, these are cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, can put, you can quote that. Ooh doggies, says Stuart Wellington of the Flophouse. Now, Stuart briefly said something very important. What's that? Which is that... And then never again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> is that all of these gifts stack. If you donate at a higher level, you get all of the gifts from the lower levels, plus the gift for your level. Like right, so Star 1941 for- Robert Stack. Mm-hmm. He also stacks, if you can find more than one of them. He's so rare. I've been hanging out on fucking Toys R Us for fucking years. <laughs> short pack those. Oh, shit. And, he's and the, uh, he's just, perfectly rectangular, too, so he stacks. The collector from the Marvel Universe is like, ah, oh, the rarest keepsake, Robert Stack. Only one was ever produced. Now, if you're an eccentric millionaire, you can donate at the $100 level mm-hmm. where you get membership of the Inner Circle where monthly you get – it's a monthly culture club where you get a item selected by one of our MaxFun hosts – Every month. Uh, every month. Mm-hmm. And at the two hundred dollar each month, right? Different host each month. Right. And at the two hundred dollar a month level, you get free uh registration for Max FunCon. So that's a pretty good deal because Max FunCon is a ton is a of fun. Pity, and it's a ton of fun. But uh that's what you get for the donor There's gifts. some great rewards. Those are some great donors. And gifts. so we are asking you listeners here. To help us either wake by, up after that boring thing, yeah. <laughs> either to become a first-time pledge donor, or if you are already a donor, upgrade your donation stuff. Because without you guys, hey, look, none of this would be possible. If we if we didn't have our listeners, yes. we'd just be shouting into the dark void, nothing but horribly cyclopean monstrosities. Impossible to describe and terrifying to behold yeah. and look, our only listeners. Instead, gonna, we've got good people like you and maybe a, a few indescribable monstrosities. Right. You make us human. <laughs> and I'm going to say something honest. It's sometimes... <laughs> unlike usual. Sometimes sometimes it's hard to do this show, and I think it gets harder year by year as uh, we all, all of our lives get fuller with uh, different things. Our lives and our houses get fuller. I'm just traveling a lot. Thinking about moving to different parts of the country. Yeah, these things happen, and uh, it really helps to have money coming in from the podcast to convince us to keep doing the thing. Now that sounds like a threat. It doesn't mean to be. I'm just. Uh, it's, it's just. Why a, are you holding a gun to my head, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> the it's point just, is that Dan will 
shoot Stu. <laughs> the point is, if you don't donate money, I will blow. St- I will paint st- this the walls with Stu's brains. Well, I guess I've That's lived right. a good life. <laughs> Let me say goodbye to my collection of vintage pornography. You'll run <laughs> Stu's tank through the paint shop. <laughs> a common death expression. <laughs> I'm going to say one last thing about uh, uh, the Max Fun Drive is that early on I had said that the uh, Maximum Fund had set a goal of 10,000 new and upgrading donors. Yeah, I and I was that. like, you know what? I'm going to use I'm going to Good use times. this excuse to finally uh, set the goal. If we hit that number, I'm going to finally get that uh, Flophouse House Cat tattoo that I wanted to get for a long time to commemorate the 10 years I've been doing this stupid thing with you guys. Um, not with you, John. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I... I'm glad uh, to be part of the news. But that's the thing. Day. Like, as of today, it's already... We're already past... We've already rounded the 9,000 listeners. Yeah. So I've already set up an appointment to get my tattoo. <laughs> just assuming. Uh, yeah. But by the time this drops, which is in a couple of days, I'm, I can only hope. Which I'm already fucking blown away. That's crazy. That'll be yeah, double insane. what we did last year. Yeah. Which Ironically, is really, I look forward to... Giving you that tattoo. <laughs> I mean, there doesn't have to be any irony at all. You can stare me dead in the eyes the whole time well, you're I've, doing it. I've got an electric Sharpie, and I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure that your body is never the same. <laughs> yep. I'll be holding your hand with my free hand and your non-tattooing hand and biting down on a leather strap that Dan gives me from Fantastic. his weird collection of leather straps. <laughs> I will say that... uh and straps. <laughs> <laughs> Strappy Dan, they call him. Because we are probably going to hit that 10,000, I imagine there's going to be some stretch goals. If those stretch goals uh, are released... Um, you say Dan's getting a tattoo. <laughs> Come on, Dan. Well, uh, Guys, I'd love to say that I would reach that same goal, but I would like to be buried in sacred ground at some point, and synagogues are not really okay with I'll just tattoos. carve that part off of your body before the cops get to you. Oh, perfect. Yeah, great. All right. There's some Wait, o- what? <laughs> we have some audio from uh, doing the Superman 4 show. In uh, Chicago, Chicago. That very very fun day. that a very very fun day. Probably semi illegal to release it because you can hear the audio of Superman four in the background. And I don't Dan care talks about killing the president. Well, probably, <laughs> and also the producers of Superman four had prevented you from ever releasing that ever. But uh, yeah, we don't want to get haunted by the ghosts of Golan and Globus. <laughs> I think if we hit those stretch goals, we'll probably just release that audio out into the world so you can watch Superman Four and have our commentary. That's what I'm saying right now. So that's uh, a promise. Wow, right now. What yeah. a promise! Wait, if we hit which stretch, which goal? I don't know. It's an imaginary stretch goal right now, but okay, it lives in the hearts and minds of children. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's move on. We'll probably mention this again. Again. Uh, Wait, one last well, thing. Let's say we'll donate. We donate now. now. Donate now. Don't donate, forget about it because yeah. you're gonna forget. You're gonna forget. Go to maximumfund.org forward slash donate. That's how you do it. Maximumfund.org forward slash donate. Build it, beautiful. <laughs> no, exactly. That's not- uh, so now we move Wait, on to our. Are we gonna pause it? <laughs> hold on, Stuart wants to uh, pause so he can go to the restroom. I think so. We're gonna pause the recording for a second, but for you, it's just gonna seem like a, a seamless uh, join. Totally seamless. Oh, that was seamless. You didn't even know that anything happened there. Were, were we ordering food from a restaurant? Because that was seamless. Um, but now it's time to move on to the next uh, segment Not in this our podcast, sponsor, <laughs> which is. Letters from listeners. Listeners like you. 
So uh, the first letter. It's a special time for letters. It's a max fun pledge drive time for letters. Special letters that earn us money. Special letters that taste of honey. That special taste that only comes during the pledge drive. Da 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 da. Thanks, guys. <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> Uh, this first letter is from Andrew Last Name Withheld, who writes, It is my contention that horror films have the best soundtracks and or scores of any genre. Hmm. From the greasy... <laughs> from the greasy... <laughs> this just in. <laughs> from the greasy punk rock of Return of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. to Goblin's prog rock freakouts, to Carpenter's brilliant synths, there's a long and noble tradition of totally rad music associated with horror on screen. Let's not forget Bernard Herrmann's score for Psycho, dude. Yeah. So, Floppers, what are your favorite horror film scores or soundtracks? <laughs> hey, let's not forget Bernard Herrmann's score for Psycho, dude. Psycho, Pro- dude, is my favorite movie. <laughs> Psycho, dude. Keep on flopping the free world, Andrew, last name withheld. Andrew so. Lesney, the composer of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> Uh, no, that's Howard Shore. Andrew Lesney, I think, was the DP. Oh, okay. So the letter the mentioned... The diaper pail. The letter already mentioned a couple of things that I would have mentioned myself. The Return of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. punk rock. You could have very easily exercised those from the, uh, from the letter. And, and John Carpenter. You mean excised? Or exercised. <laughs> like, he, he had a really cool priest come in and... <laughs> Cut him out. This letter like a, is possessed by some things I would like to say. Yeah, I had say, like a John Constantine show up and blow him away with a cross gun. <laughs> uh, I like very much the scores for both Poltergeist and Gremlins, both of which oh, are Gremlins Jerry Goldsmith's scores. Jerry Goldsmith. Who also did the score for Planet of the Apes, right? Which is not a horror movie, but it is a great score. Yeah. It's pretty horrifying. <laughs> I mean, the, the concept is pretty scary. I mean, he tongue kisses an ape at the end. <laughs> Not in my America. <laughs> no, it is in your America. Did you not see the what? end of the movie? <laughs> Statue of Liberty. Uh, but like, yeah, that, that, the, the terrible thing about the apes is they moved the Statue of Liberty to another planet, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> you did it! That'd be so funny. You bastard! Somebody in the audience is like, they stole the Statue of Liberty and brought it to their ape planet? Why did they, they set it, it up half and put it near a beach? The, se- oh. the sequel better be about when he goes back to Earth and gets everyone to get that statue back. <laughs> They'd call That's it, what it should have been. Return to the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Some moron who just doesn't get it. He's like, wait, hold on a second. Hold a second. If it wasn't enough that there's people and apes and the apes speak English, they've got a Statue of Liberty too? This is such, this kind of coincidence cannot How be believed. What a twist. does France dare to give them a Statue of Liberty too? <laughs> Double dealing France. They're not even taking care of it. Look, it looks all bombed up. We have to give one to the Americans and we also have to give one to the Planet of the Apes. We make two, but we never sell them. It is a symbol of our friendship with America and our secret friendship with the apes. But we only send the apes <laughs> they don't know. They don't know it's half. I think it's a whole statue. The top half. <laughs> we yeah, landed the on a beach there. And it's if fun. the fucking feet were sticking up on <laughs> the ground, it's uh-huh. so like I guess don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. <laughs> we, I think we can keep these two friendships going without them knowing. As long as we do not make a date on the same night with both planets, there will be much slamming of doors. Uh, but also, Dawn of the Dead has a really good soundtrack too. <laughs> 
The original. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I really like uh, what, uh, who's that dude who does uh, Paul... Paul Anderson scores for uh, John Bryan. No, the one who does the one Johnny Greenwood. Johnny, Johnny Greenwood score for There Will Be Blood. That's a great horror movie score. You think that's a horror movie? Uh, Nadoi. And all right. That's like saying it? Synecdoche, New York, what is, is, it? is a, a horror movie. Comedy? Like, of course it is. Synecdoche, New York, is a terrible. Right. It's horrifying. Um, and but I would say my favorite, hands down, is still the movie Black Roses with its hilarious um, hair metal soundtrack. Now, Check it out. Go look up Black Roses on YouTube. It's awesome. It's not a horror movie per se. It is a suspense movie. But Vertigo has, I think, maybe the most sure. beautiful score in film. And I guess it shows you there's something about having to create suspense maybe that brings out something special in, in film scores. Is Vertigo the one that goes da 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 uh, No, that's the Godfather. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Doo doo. Uh, da, da. Is it like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> No, that's the night court thing. Yeah, yeah, the vertigo court. <laughs> no, no, don't, 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 don't. Well, welcome to Judge <laughs> Harry's courtroom. That's, that's me, Judge <laughs> Harry, the magician <laughs> judge. Hi, I'm Bill. I'm Paul. I'm an alien. <laughs> or maybe I'm Bill. Who cares? <laughs> this joke's getting old. No, no, no. I'm Judge, <laughs> judge <laughs> Harry, but you can all call me Scotty if you're my friend, so. Is that how you did it, Madeline? Judge Harry is dressing someone up to look like Mel Torme. (laughs) I don't want to look like Mel Torme, Harry. Doesn't matter what you want. It can't matter to you. Just do this for me, Madeline. Young people. Although Go on Netflix them, and check out Night Court. Although I guess it's, he would say <laughs> he's doing this for me, Judy. It's because he's with, he's with Judy at that point. Madeline's the one who died. Okay. Oh, man. Judy Barton, Salina, Kansas, just and, like it says right uh, there. And your right, well, you podcast is more popular. How did I ruin it? <laughs> I don't think that's true. Look, just because they're huge swaths of and, vertigo that I like to think And to be about. honest, John, aren't we all your podcasts at this point now? Yeah. Now, you know, we're all Macaroid podcasts. John, I'm going to give you one more chance to guess the score to Vertigo, and I think you're going to be able to get it. Uh, yep, you got it. There it is. <laughs> Holiday uh, Road. Uh, the, fam- the famous Vertigo song, uh, <laughs> just like the theme to Godfather, which goes, the haunting Godfather theme, hey, hey, that was on that Pure Mood CD. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think they called Richard Send me on my way. Send me on my way. Send me on my way. And the in the, the DJ Dino remix of that? the X Files theme. Send me on my way. <laughs> but Rusted Root. Why is that a thing that I know? Because <laughs> you went to Earlham College. Oh like I my did. god! Uh, I will say, why do I know the that? Most horrific movie that I've seen recently. And in my life is 1941. <laughs> <laughs> the the rape and kidnap movie. Uh, <laughs> yep. With the score by John Williams, which is amazing. That score is amazing. It's a good score. It's a great score. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole score. <laughs> and he stopped. He stopped writing after that. Uh, that, that movie is, <clears throat> if you have not, heard what I had to say about it before. Let me hear let me say now that is a terrifying movie and the score is great. So there. The next question or letter is or letter. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Hey man, I mean, it starts, just words. Emails. It starts off with my question is, but uh this is from Kyle last name withheld. 
who writes Kyle Katarn, star of the Dark Force series. The last I think that's that's the the ultimate Star Wars character name no one's going to say anymore. Penultimate being, of course, Dash Rendar of Shadows of the Empire. The final Star Wars name is Seb Gorka. Advisor to the president. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the one who's always bothering Trump about how many portions he gets. <laughs> he's, I imagine <laughs> three quarter portions. <laughs> now I'm just imagining. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Simon Pegg, my friend. I'm imagining. I'm imagining Trump with Salacious Crumb sitting on his desk, and Trump's just like, "It's gonna be huge, sad, forget about it." And Salacious Crumb is like, <laughs> just pecking robots' eyes out every now and then. <laughs> So Kyle says, my question is, have you ever resented someone for a movie they made you watch? I love my mom, but I don't know whether I'll ever forgive her for plopping me in front of the 1967 Disney horror show that is The Gnomobile as a child. Not familiar with it. Or for singing the song so joyfully whenever I complain about it. Kyle, last name with hell. I feel like I've been on the opposite end of that one. I'm the guy who shows people movies and they're like, what the hell? Why did we just watch that? Uh, Let me see. Do I know anybody in recent memory that made me watch a really shitty movie? I think his name's John Hodgman. (laughs) (laughs) What? How is that on me? What what movie did I make you watch? 1941. (laughs) (laughs) This is your podcast. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, Then Dan, for making me do this podcast in the first place. Maybe my parents for creating me. Maybe their parents for creating them. Yeah. What was no, the, I want to see where this is going. May, I can't do that much math right now. <laughs> so times when you've been mad at somebody for making you watch a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been mad for watching I a movie. I feel like there's no movie. Even if I'm mad at a movie, I'm, I don't know that I've ever been mad about having to. Have, maybe like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when I was a kid, which as I've talked about before in the podcast was the first time I saw a movie in the theaters and was like, I don't like this. This is bad to me. Like, is it possible to not like a movie? Yeah. I guess so. You went like, to the bathroom of the movie theater and tried to wash yourself. <laughs> I was to like, get the stink uh, of it off. Uh, yeah. The scenery is trapped in the attic looking at the old home movies. It won't come off. I'm you, definitely, I've definitely, wa- I've definitely read a book on somebody's recommendation and been like, about a couple of pages in, been like, fuck this, but I feel like I have to finish it so I can commu- <laughs> so I can tell somebody I read it, and if they quiz me, I'll know what to say. I've never had that experience. I'm a, I'm a man of my own taste. I don't take anyone's recommendation. Wow. All right. Oh, wow. Let's watch 1941 again. <laughs> so now, now I think John's just mad at me for calling him out for making us no, watch 1941. That's, that's a terrible movie, but I... I think everyone should see it at least I mean, twice. I mean, I blame <laughs> Dan most did. of the time for picking the movies we watch based on runtime. <laughs> so one and a half time. I get more resentful when Dan when we're like, oh, this one sounds crazy. I want to watch that. And Dan's like, oh, I watched it already. I thought I might like it. Eh, it wasn't that good. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm never going to see that movie again. You know? Oh, I'm supposed to just... Sit at home alone watching nothing because of you guys. Here's what you should do. Watch good movies. I don't want to do that. <laughs> By the way, you my- said you have Hulu. Don't they have the whole fucking Criterion collection? Not anymore. It's on no. Filmstruck now. Yeah, you'll have to go buy the Criterion movies. All right. Well, I don't know why I'm so angry at me all of a sudden. Dan, buy the Criterion movies: The Rock and Armageddon. <laughs> Parts of the Criterion collection. 
By the way, my friends, I have seen two movies with you, and mm-hmm. I, I wish to see many more. Mm-hmm. But they both have starred Dan Aykroyd. I know. In yeah, that's Starring in, is a very <laughs> charitable term, <laughs> well, at least a- in 1940. I mean, I guess they say starring, but he doesn't. He's not the lead in this he's got movie. A pretty, he's got a relatively yeah. unimportant part, as opposed to nothing but trouble, in which case he is the alpha and omega of that film. Like It all <laughs> right. springs from his yeah. diseased brain. That's a whole separate podcast. I'm sorry that I brought that up. But what happened? It's okay. I feel like we need to do like a uh, a a podcast about Dan Aykroyd. That's kind of like that privacy invasion podcast about Richard Simmons. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's right. just like Dan Aykroyd. What happened what, to what him? What happened? What happened, yeah. Dan Aykroyd? When, we'll when be... did you go over to fully endorsing skull shaped <laughs> vodka bottles? Yeah, we'll be in, in, uh, interviewing Crystal Head Vodka sales reps. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, when did he turn from being like the bad boy artist of comedy to being like whatever he is now? Like whatever he does. Although every now and then he does like a good acting role in something. You know? Yeah. All right. Next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Elliot. This is from Tim. This is from Tim. Last name withheld. Who writes? I hold to this. Tim Matheson. Oh, uh, star of nineteen forty-one. That's yeah. right. I'm uh, with this woman, and she only gets aroused when she's in a plane. Should I just ignore it and find a woman that I'm better suited to being with, <laughs> or should I risk both our lives by flying us into the air? And well, possibly not our lives, but also the security of the United States, <laughs> and or possibly risk getting kicked off JetBlue Airlines for life. <laughs> It's true. The thrill must have gone when just regular mainstream commercial aviation came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim writes, "I hold to this day that ni- that 2000. Sorry, I hold to this day that 2013's The Wolverine is the single worst superhero movie ever. Worse than X Men Origins Wolverine? Uh, well, hold that on. That might be it. Oh. Every time a movie is called the worst superhero movie, I th- can think of at least one thing it did that was interesting, or original, or fun." Green Lantern, Catwoman, The Spirit, BVS, you name it. Even Spawn? What? But the Wolverine's only redeeming <laughs> quality that anyone ever talks about is, quote, it's better than X-Men Origins Wolverine, <laughs> and that gives it a pass to 69% of the Rotten Tomatoes critics. <laughs> what are some movies that you it's think... Like 69% in there, just to give me a laugh. <laughs> what are some movies that you think critics or the public gave a pass to slash praise for some sort of bullshit reason, when the movie itself is garbage, Tim last name withheld. Oh, uh, hands up, hands up. I yeah. got a hand. Okay. Uh, uh, yes, John Hodgman, uh, the Hodgman Gazette. Well, this is conventional wisdom at this point, and I'm sorry <laughs> to say it, but uh, the La La Land. Not since The English Patient has a movie gone from everybody loves it to everybody hates it so far. I don't know. Birth, I, Birth I of a Nation went totally, pretty quick. Well, but Birth of a Nation had the extenuating But what do you think is of, the bullshit reason... What do you think this is the bullshit reason that it got a pass in this case? Oh, I know people who live in Los (coughs) Angeles who loved La La Land because it represented their experience. Mm -hmm. And yet it was a dumb, dumb movie. And I love that filmmaker. Yeah, Whiplash Whiplash was was terrific. Incredible film. But Mm -hmm. as, like, I, I, that was a rare occasion where I turned, uh, I, I, Turned on a movie thinking, like, well, I'm going to like this movie. Um, and I just got more and more depressed as I went on. And primarily because the... All right, the let people, it out. The people in it can't sing or dance. Yeah, no, if you want to see a musical... <laughs> Elliot's rubbing John's shoulders right now. It's okay. It's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. 
It's their it, fault. I feel like that happens a lot, though. Like, there's usually one or two Oscar frontrunners who are, like, churched up quite a bit during the awards, uh, during the, like, festival season, and then have a fall from grace either before or, like, a year or two after yeah, the awards. Even, where, like, like, like Crash, can, for instance, where everyone's like, fuck that movie. <laughs> but it fucking won Best Picture, dude. What's going on? Yeah. With, with La La Land, it feels like it's... Um, it's a movie that's meant, I think, to be like a crowd-pleasing, fun movie in a lot of ways, but it turned out to be very divisive for a number of reasons, and the people who saw it first, I guess, were the people who really really worked for, and as it moved out throughout the country, it hit the wave of people who didn't like it. I, that was one where I had a similar experience where I like, we got our sc- our screeners for voting for the Writers Guild Awards. In Ugh, and that this was, guy. That was the one. I, I belong to the same fucking guild, but for some reason I'm still but like that was, this guy. That yeah. was the, well, I'm saying maybe I didn't like it because I didn't see it in the theater. I don't know. But I was I was like, I I'm I'm, can't wait to, to watch this movie. I really loved Whiplash. It's, a, it's all about – it's like a, an homage to old musicals. I love old musicals. Right. And from almost moment one, I was like, there's something off about this movie. And halfway through I had this crisis where I was like – like, is there something like? Are my am I calibrated wrong right now? Like, am I ta- have I lost sight of something? Because this is not working for me at all. But it's something like this should be working for me. And everyone, all the things I read about it beforehand said it worked for them. And I yeah, feel there's like, definitely people that I whose opinions I respect who really liked it. Yeah. at least when they first saw it. And I like it just didn't work for me. And I had to like figure out, okay, why didn't this movie work for me? Because I don't want to just be like, oh, this sucked. I don't want to be like a friend of mine whose name I won't mention who is the the day after he saw The Dark Knight sat down in front of me so that I couldn't couldn't move away and said, okay, tell me why I should like The Dark Knight. Tell me why that was a good movie because I thought it was stupid. And I was like, that's not my job. He's your I, friend Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> and I, well, I had walked in his light and he was like, Mick G, Mick G, have this man tell me why, why The Dark Knight was good. But – uh the but it was La La Land. It was like yeah, I, I like it. Left me in <laughs> You're this just weird place. Just making him feel good about the movie he was in. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Whiplash was a movie that I like. Even though there is so much uh, profound swearing, I would show it to my kids in a second. I think it because you're like that's the kind of discipline I'm talking about with well, you too when it comes to your music. I, <laughs> I think that, I think that it captures uh, both the the. The wonderful aspects of creativity and the and the awful aspects of creativity. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I went into La La Land with full faith and confidence that this guy understood it. You're and like Dominic Chianese knows how to make a movie, whatever his name is. Dominic Giselle. Giselle, that's what it is. <laughs> Chianese is he from The Sopranos? Yeah. Uh, but so, and then, but he did. He like didn't quite pull it off. I just thought it was a, d- a dumb, dumb film, and, and especially in context of. Uh, Moonlight, which was Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. Damien that's Chazelle. what it is. Because right. he's the Omen kid. Yeah. We we know, I mean we know about movies, you guys. <laughs> so I, <laughs> that's the name of our podcast. We know I just, about movies. I was just led astray by Elliot. That's actually La La Land's one of the <laughs> five steps off name that he came up with. <laughs> La La Land's one of the, I led you down one the, of the best picture path, nominees McCoy. I didn't see this year. Which one was? Uh La La Land. That and like Hacksaw Ridge or movies Hacksaw Ridge that I, didn't I didn't see. I didn't see a bunch of them. But I actually saw more than I I usually do, and I thought in general, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say movies that are nominated for Oscars are pretty good. Let's, 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 <laughs> sure. let's back off to the original question, though. Yeah, what was it? Because I forgot which it. Which is, what are some movies that you think critics or the public gave a pass to for some sort of bullshit reason? Uh, I just want to say to Damien Chazelle, 
I want to be in your films. <laughs> <laughs> don't take your calling La La, La Land dumb dumb. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't want to work with him. I, lo- I, I, I love you. One I have is, and this is a movie. This is a movie that I liked. Like, it's not like I feel like this was a shitty it's movie. It's called Cheeky. This is a movie that I liked. <laughs> Look, the butts. It's called Hard right. Bodies. <laughs> it's called California Hot Tub Club, whatever it's called. <laughs> California LA, Hot Wax. LA Jacuzzi Society. Uh, no, the Lego movie. The Lego oh, movie right. was a movie that I liked. I thought it was a solid comedy, but I thought it was overpraised. For the simple reason that everyone thought, like, the Lego movie is going to be shitty because it's a movie about Legos. Like, people were like, oh, this is going to be a shitty movie because it's a branded content movie. And so when it was not shitty, I feel like then it was raised to the heavens as, like, the best comedy it's of the, the greatest, year. It's the funniest movie ever made. Yeah. And I would argue that that is a movie that, I don't know, it's not, it's a, it's a, not a bad movie and I liked a lot of it. But there were times when I wanted it to dial back quite a bit. It was like they were making a – while I was watching that movie, I was like, this is a movie for kids because it's so frenetic and it's so so many like explosions and meta jokes yeah, and things the, like it's that. It's the 1941 of Lego movies. <laughs> <laughs> it just moves from set piece to set piece. You don't even know what's happening. Yeah, kind of. And then there's, there's a bunch of jokes where it's like, why are you undercutting the premise of your movie that I was enjoying? Like I don't get why you're doing this, but – I think you're right that it was a little overpraised. Uh, has anyone here seen the Lego Batman movie? No, I haven't. No. No. Right? All right. Let's do that next year. <laughs> oh, wow. The, the gauntlet's thrown I'm down. I'm just trying to say that I love the Lego movie. If you want to put me in your your next movie, Miller and Lord, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say... Look, look. Let's. I think let's make one I think that's making it clear. We Not, like that movie. And also... Even if we didn't like a movie someone made, none of us would be against being in a movie. <laughs> I think there is, with the exception of maybe Uva Bull. And even with that, no, I'll, I would totally I'll do be it, probably. I w- there is no filmmaker I despise the oh. work of enough that if they said, do you want to be in a movie? I would be like, no way. I'm above that. I am not above that. I think none of us are. We what all about be Melvin Gibson? Uh, Melvin Gibson, uh, the star of The Road Warrior. <laughs> Popular can, Holocaust denier. Would you be in Hacksaw Ridge, too? Now, what about Lenny Riefenstahl? <laughs> well, she's dead, so I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, I think that's I think someone who is actively a Nazi is maybe where the rubber hits <laughs> or, the or, a <laughs> or a zombie. Or a zombie. Nazi zombie. I don't want to put you me. on the spot, but would you be in a Mel Gibson movie? Hmm. I mean, he doesn't like to work with Jewish people, so I'm kind of off the... Uh, my, my wife wouldn't let me be <laughs> in a uh, Mel Gibson movie. Uh, she won't let me I watch know. his fucking movie. I honestly movies. don't know what I would do in that situation, which will never happen. So I guess call his bluff, well, Mel no, Gibson. No, no, <laughs> Cast me in your next None of movie. it will ever happen. That's why I'm asking him. Yeah, yeah. You're the Han Solo to his but greeto. There's a part of me that uh, I want to say would be like, no, he's someone who has said things I can't, I can't abide by. Right. But I have, as a viewer tacitly endorsed so many artists who have done terrible things like if i can watch a roman polanski movie then i can't necessarily look down on watching a mel gibson movie who has as far as i know not raped any children you know he's just said terrible things you know Mm -hmm. and been a mean guy to people you know there was the one time i felt bad for mel gibson was when they announced he was gonna do a cameo in the hangover 2 and the cast was like no way we will not work with mel gibson and he was like I didn't rape anybody. 
Mike Tyson was in your last movie. He went to jail for rape. I never did that. Like right. it was like I was like fair point, Mel Gibson. This is a weird place for them to draw the line. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm announcing Elliot Kalen, Elliot Kalen, and Mike Tyson Bat in the remake of Mel Gibson's Rosemary's Baby. Wait, interesting. Now I'm going to be in Hacksaw be- Ridge back to back to the hack in which somebody has to go. Hack Andrew back. Garfield's got to go back to save the prisoners, I guess. But, Hack back. Hey. Elliot and Mike Tyson in Rosemary's Baby 2. <laughs> uh, I would say to get back to the now, question. Mike Tyson I wouldn't work with because I'd be afraid he would hit me. But he's got that cute little voice. <laughs> um, I would say and to get back tiger. to the question, though, I, I mean, I don't know if it's overly praised <coughs> or anything, but when it first came out, the horror movie Sinister, I think, got a little more praise than I would agree with. Um, the fact that it just didn't fall apart completely and the fact that it had atmosphere, but it, it felt just too forced for me. I feel I've like not seen that film as, as a, as a horror movie buff, I think it, it might just come from the fact that I, I like horror movies, but sometimes if you're really into something, a, what I would consider to be like, almost like an entry level version of that thing right. oh, comes off so. as yeah. like. Not what you're into. And to, for someone who has, is not familiar with that stuff at all, and this is maybe the first horror movie they've seen in a long time or the first comedy or historical thing. Yeah, like anything, a real Ethan Hawke fan that just wants to see Ethan, you know, do his thing then for a they, couple of minutes. Where they're, it reminds me a lot of people who read a perfectly fine comic book and are like, this is amazing. It's changing the way they're doing comics. And it's like, I can't really look at it that way because I read them regularly, so these don't I mean, things don't seem new to me. But I like that you're getting that kind I mean, of joy Saga's out of it. Saga's kind of pretentious, I mean. <laughs> so you're snobs is what you're All saying. Right, too deep yeah, in that's the, what I'm I saying. Too deep in the weeds I now. think we would be snobs <laughs> if we were saying nobody should enjoy this because there's a better thing out there. And I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying I can't help – like I can't go into something and be like, I'm going to forget that I'm steeped in this world – and I'm going to enter it as a newbie so that I enjoy it right. the same way other people do. They're just a couple of snobs who hate Saga but love Sinister. <laughs> wait, no, I didn't. I said I don't like Sinister. One, on. one last here, wait, email. Let me, go on a, let me go out on a limb. Here's a movie that's gotten a no, pass for you. too long. It's called Some Like It Hot. Fuck it. Let's go to the next Whoa. one. Oh. Not a movie I like. Never <laughs> have. <laughs> Billy Wilder, love your <laughs> <other> work. <laughs> don't like that one. <laughs> Yeah, world star. Anyway, hate me, hate me. Now I'm just a heel in a, in a wrestling match. Hate me. Oh, I don't like something like it hot. Bring it on. Uh, one. In my country, we crush America and we hate something like it hot. By the way, no offense. I Elliot's have a doing the ravishing Rick Rude pelvic thrust right now. <laughs> no offense. I have a family. I'd like to go home at some point. Let's That's not how this podcast works. One last email. Uh, it's from Matt, last name withheld, wow. who writes Where am I in the world? I don't it's know. Me, Matt Lauer. Matt, Lauer. Matt Rice. Lauer. I don't know why, should but. I, should I shave my eyebrows yet? <laughs> I don't know why, but I've been keeping track of the various claims the three of you made about each other's penises. <laughs> Maybe I'm depressed. I'm definitely unemployed. Some for Dan. A not large, disinterested penis. Some for Stuart. A big dick and irradiated testicles. Some for Elliot. A functional cat warming penis. I'm gonna go drink now. Matt Lasso <laughs> What was what was his last name? Lasso. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I, you, you say that about special not, letter. I don't for... know about not large. I think I just said average. Wow. Well, average would be not large. Average is the word. <laughs> I didn't hear a, a question in there at all, and I'm <laughs> no. not part of this conversation. 
Okay, so, so let me just say that uh, I am uh, I have no genitals whatsoever. <laughs> and yet you said you were a sexual being earlier. Oh, I was lying. <laughs> now, uh, is this the time we unveil this new segment that Dan and Stuart and I have been talking about for a while called Dick Busters, in which we bust myths about our dicks? Because <laughs> it seems like there's some misinformation about there. So we're going to run some tests to see if common urban legends about our penises are accurate or not. Should I, go, should I go get that piece of foam core that I wrote myth on that we're going to ram our dicks against and break in half? <laughs> for the opening number, yeah. yeah. Opening number because each each myth is <laughs> number. <laughs> the opening number from Sunday in the Parma Tour. Bit by bit, putting it together, <laughs> ounce by ounce, <laughs> dick by dick. <laughs> you don't know dick about our dicks, and we're here to change that dick busters. That kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, what do we do now, Dan? Now is the last segment of the podcast, other than uh, I think that we'll probably say something else about the Max Fun Drive. But For let's, whoever's okay. still left. Let's call it the last segment of the podcast. Whatever survivors to the end of this episode there are. Where we recommend movies that we actually liked. Something that you should watch instead of 1941. Cool. Stuart, cool, 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 cool. Oh, do I have a recommendation? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll totally recommend a movie. Is that is that the uh, the orchestra under the stage trying to play me off? Well, I guess I want to thank uh, my mom for squirting Stuart out. Oh. Stuart, we're on. There's a seven second delay. It's okay. You can say that. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to recommend a movie that uh, I'm a little ashamed that I hadn't got to until very recently. Uh, I I watch it just the other day. It's called All Dogs Go to Heaven too. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I spoke to my priest and apologized. Detectives. <laughs> so I'm going to recommend a movie called. Uh, you went to a priest for spiritual guidance. He goes, I got I've got a movie. I think you'll find. Oh, some I got a movie. You would like to he, see. And he hands you a VHS tape of All Dogs Go to Heaven. I'm like I don't know how to play this, Father. He's like, stick it in your iPod. <laughs> Like I guess oh, I'll try that. Is this? Oh, I can help you with that right now. Is this canon now? Oh, they elected a five-year-old pope, and this is what he's interested in these days. He's a young pope. So, the movie I'm going to recommend tonight is a movie from 2011 called Manborg. It's a trim like 65 minutes long. You have no reason not to watch it. I'm an idiot for not having seen it sooner. It's fucking great. Go see it. I think after one of our live shows, actually, I met the guys who made it. Uh, so if that's true, <laughs> tell me uh, that happened. Because <laughs> your movie is fucking awesome. You're worried that maybe the Weapon X program planted this false memory of you meeting quite, the Manborg creators. Quite possibly. Manborg is fucking great. It is about a soldier in the war of humans against the armies of hell <coughs> that were brought to Earth by Dr. Scorpius, and a young soldier uh, gets his gets killed while fighting Count Draculon and is turned into the ultimate of weapon of war, Manborg. And he has to uh, he has to lead the resistance in the fight against Count Draculon. I totally recommend this movie. It's great. If you saw, I, I would say the closest movie I could approximate it to is uh, Kung Fury, the the short from a year or two ago, which feels like it lifted a lot of stuff from Manborg. Um, but I totally recommend it. Check it out. 
they have a new movie coming out where the tra- uh, the trailer looks amazing. It's called Check it out, man. Hello, it's me, Dan. Sorry, we played you off. So I want to recommend a movie that's also written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Uh, who wrote 1941? Is it Back to the Fucking Future? No, no. Is it 1941? Is it Young Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> no, I don't think they wrote that one. Uh, Is I, it Old Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> 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 Why didn't they just call it Sherlock Holmes? Uh, there's a movie that they made just prior to 1941 called I Want to Hold Your Hand that was actually oh. directed by Robert Zemeckis and not Steven Spielberg. Uh, Starring Bobby Tagilo. And is there a certain Eddie in it? It started Eddie. Eddie Deason was in it. Nancy Allen was in it. Uh, Stars of 1941. uh, Probably. Uh, It's about teens who are caught up in the throes of Beatlemania. And they they don't have tickets to see um, the uh, Ed (coughs) Sullivan show when the Beatles are coming to town. Uh, but they want to see them, and they go through all sort of madcap adventures to see the Beatles. And I don't remember it super well because it's been a while since I've seen it. But it's a Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis madcap comedy that I remember enjoying bum, a lot. Bum, in bum, contrast bum, to bum, 1941, bum, 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 so I want to hold your hand bum, is my recommendation. Well done. Uh, John, are you recommending anything? No, thank you. Okay, then I'm going to recommend. <laughs> I haven't seen anything recently that I really liked uh, particularly That's well. That's a great way to avoid so, getting played off. <laughs> so don't the only way to I'm, not. I'm respectful. I'm respectful of the uh, of the audience's time. The only way to win is not to play. It's what War Games taught us. Is that what it says bum, on the box of Crossfire? Says don't buy this. So I'm going to recommend instead one of my favorite movies. I may have recommended it before. It's a comedy from 1944 that is also about a country at war on the home front, and that's The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Preston Sturgis wrote and directed it, and it stars Eddie Bracken and Betty Hutton, and it's the story of a woman who wants to send the boys off with one last shebang and finds herself married to a man she doesn't remember the name of and pregnant, and she has to figure out how to make this situation okay with the help of her friend Eddie Bracken. And it is hilarious. So if you want to see a World War II comedy, Miracle of Morgan's Creek. I'm sorry. I got the title slightly wrong of one of my favorite movies because he threw me off with the music. Well, John was like staring you dead in the eyes the whole time, like what he's going to do when he does my tattoo. So we should sign off soon, but we just like now want to reiterate. That the Max Fund Drive is going on right now. Yes. You should go to maximumfund.com or dot org rather slash donate. I'm so <laughs> I'm so worried that John's gonna play me off that I'm uh, maximumfund.org slash forward slash donate. Hey guys, I just wanna throw I just wanna point out that what? Uh ten minutes ago in real time, so this this is Thursday night, uh Jesse announced that we actually broke 10,000. Yeah, we did it. 
which is fucking crazy, dude. That's amazing. That was in like no time. Thanks, everybody. It's crazy. It's amazing. Thank you, listeners. It's that other Aerosmith song. I'm crying. Crying. Yeah, Yeah, I'm crying crying right now. Crazy, amazing, crying, amazing, crazy. Stuart, do you want to say something about the Max Fun meetup night? Yeah, so next Tuesday, that's the 28th. Uh, that's the official Max Fun Meetup Day. If you're listening your, to this after March 28th, you missed it. You missed it, right? If you're listening to this 2017, yeah, this right. 2017. <laughs> yeah. If it's so, the far future and and civilization has fallen and you just found this recording, don't go to Hinterlands for the Max Fun Meetup because you missed it. It's mm-hmm. not next Tuesday. Instead, right. focus on things like food, <laughs> uh, the precious juice, find bullets. a mate, get the get this civilization back up and running. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. get some seeds. Sure. You know, just go to the store, get some seeds. Here's some advice. Seeds. (laughs) Maybe you haven't thought of this one. So, uh, the 28th. Here's a hot tip. Seeds. (laughs) Go over to MaximumFun.org and check out. uh, There's a list of different MaxFun meetups in different areas. See if there's one in your area. In Brooklyn, New York, uh, I'm going to be hosting one over at Hinterlands. Hey, that's your bar. In deep Brooklyn. That's the bar that I own, so I have to be there contractually. Dan's going to be there. I'm working on Elliot, and I'm working on Hodgman over there. I'm promising nothing. I'm going to be there Mm -hmm. all night long crying if Elliot doesn't show up. And so if you want to see Stuart cry, there's a very good chance. And there's going to be too. some other really great. There's going to be uh, Mark Gagliardi has told me he's coming and a few oh, yeah. others. Uh, it should be a great time. Uh, they've they've been great in the past. Uh, I was just shoveling snow and puke covered snow out of the backyard. <laughs> so there's going to be plenty of space for y'all. Um, the glamorous life of a tavern keep. <laughs> and if you're not in uh, New York, check out MaximumFun.org. Or the meetup in your area, but if you're in Brooklyn or New York, come to mine. Okay, I'm done. And if you haven't donated by now already, please donate now. It's been a long episode. You've had plenty of time. Do it now before you forget. Upgrade or donate for the first time to support the people and the things you love in their creative endeavors as we continue to create quality content that goes in your ears and then rattles around your brain, and then you think about it later, and you're like, why am I thinking about this right now? But you are. It's stuck there. You're doing Harry Potter? (laughs) It's all John Williams. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, That's the signal for us to sign off. So for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. And I am no man. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everyone. (laughs) Especially because this is an extra episode that we're doing. All because of the extra episode. Uh, what's going to happen instead of recommendations? Mm, we don't know. <laughs> Sex recommendations. I think hot off of our kids' movie where we said jizz, I think, a record number of times. <laughs> so I think it's a good idea that we follow it up with a, uh, a sex trap. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.